This is an explicit podcast. Welcome to Notorious Age of Sigma, an Age of Sigma podcast coming to you from New Zealand. I am your host, Big Sean, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tubbs, where we put the spotlight on the match play community in New Zealand, carrying off local tournaments, lists, and the occasional battle time. Welcome to Notorious Age of Sigma, episode 12. We're back in your ears for another show, and today we're covering off CanCon. Today, joining me, I have my co-host, Tubbs. How are you, What's mate? What's happening, buddy? Yeah, just recording. Just and we got... Jump straight in on there. Absolutely. Every time you answer that, it just fucks me up. <laughs> <laughs> I really should have something prepared to say. Uh, then we also have friend of the show, Anne Lee. Hello there. How's everyone? And last but not least, we have the motherfucking goon boss. How are you, big doggy Steph? I'm good, man. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for getting together tonight, lads. Uh, through recap CanCon, as I said in the intro. Um, so myself, I went, Lee went, and Seth went. Sean, unfortunately, wasn't able to make it this year. Uh, he had a prior commitment, which was booked quite in advance from what I understand, Tubbs. Is that correct? Had a stag do uh, somewhere? Mate, I was in Bali doing yeah. naughty things instead. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to throw you under the bus, but yeah, <laughs> words. That's, that's absolutely no, safe, bro. It's absolutely fine. Um, so in this episode, as I said, we're going to cover off CanCon. We're going to talk about our experience, sort of uh, why we went, who we went with, uh, what we'll cover off our games, albeit quite quickly, um, cover off our lists, obviously, and then just sort of what we thought about the experience in Australia and in CanCon and meeting everyone. And then also, um, we have some listener questions to get through, which we'll try to get through. But this episode might be quite long, so I'm going to try to smash through it as quickly as we can, as it is a school night, um, and we all have shit to do tomorrow. So, first of all, I guess, CanCon, you probably already know what it is if you're listening to this show. Uh, it's joint biggest event or biggest event in the world held in Canberra, Australia. It's a con, so it's part of multi-system. That's about as much as I need to say. I believe it was 196 players, I think I heard the official numbers at, although I heard LLV throw out 200 as well, so I'm not entirely sure. I don't know if that's been uh, cleared up by anyone. So, why we went. Lee, why'd you go, mate? Uh, well, once it started creeping towards 200, we talked about it earlier, if we were going to go this year or, or next year, but then as soon as it hit 200, we were like this is something that we should try and be a part of because like it's ridiculously large compared to what we're usually playing. So yeah, that was enough to get me going. Yeah, definitely. That was, it was the exact same with me. I believe I sold it to my partner by saying, Hey, there's this massive event going on. Um, there's 150 initial tickets for pre-sale or for sale. Sorry. I believe it was. Um, do you mind if I buy one jump on and this is like four or five months out. And then we'll sort out if I want to go or not, sort of further down the track, and I can get a refund if I don't go and all that sort of shit. She's like, yeah, that's fine. Those tickets sold out in like, I don't know, 20 hours or something ridiculous, or even less probably. Um, And at that point, when the first initial wave of 150 tickets sold out, I knew I was absolutely for sure going. And um, (laughs) then started the project of greasing up the other half for me to go international (laughs) just to play Warhammer and get fucked up with mates for four days. so no, I, exactly the same reason as me, mate. Um, end up being a lot of people. Seth, mate, why'd you want to go? 
Um, I actually had my eye on CanCon before I moved to New Zealand. When um, I was playing another system, I was playing Kings of War. Because um, at the time, it was rumored to be the largest Kings of War tournament in the world. Um, and I sort of forgot about it when I got here and I switched over to AOS. And I didn't think much about it. And then you guys brought it up that you were going. So um, how I got my ticket was a, a bit strange. But I decided to jump on the waiting list. Um, one of the guys that went from New Zealand sort of separate than us, James McPherson, um, he had some issues with, with um, his army and stuff like that. So he actually ended up selling me his ticket, so I got a guaranteed spot. Then he took my spot on the waiting list, and he ended up going too. So it sort of worked out for everyone. But I'm really glad I went. It was awesome. So Yeah, no, it was awesome to have you, man. It was absolutely awesome to have you. Um, so who exactly went from New Zealand to CanCon? So obviously myself, I went, Lee went, Seth went. Um, and then we had another lad, Fraser, came from Wellington, Fraser Baker. We had Dan Street from AOS Shorts, Mr. Shorts. He came over to Australia. He helped the coverage team, uh, the Honest Wargamer, so on and so forth. If you watch any of the stream, you would have seen um, the sex the man, robot. The legend that is Dan Street. Yeah, he was a sex robot, apparently. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, he had grey hair and looked exactly <laughs> like Dan. Oh, was that the other guy? Um, <laughs> Raph, I believe his name was, is one of the Melbourne lads. He looks exactly like Mr. Shorts, um, except he's like bulkier and possibly six. I don't know. That. Yeah, that dude's probably better looking than Dan. No offense to Dan, but yeah. that, that dude is <laughs> a little good scale. man. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they both got him on stream at the same time, but they definitely should have. They absolutely should have. The fucking thing would have exploded. Uh, then... <laughs> yeah, the chat would have went nuts. Uh, and then last but not least, we had James McPherson, um, who... Currently resides in New Zealand. He's a UK lad. Um, he's pretty much between New Zealand and UK. Um, he also came over as well. He was the guy who Seth got his ticket off, and then uh, because James didn't believe he was going to be able to make it, but then it turned out he was, so he grabbed the ticket, and, and that was cool. Um, so there was six of us in total from New Zealand uh, that came over. Uh, how we got there? So we flew over, obviously. We didn't catch a boat or something that isn't a boat. Um, <laughs> we flew I was trying to think of something else to say, but I don't know any other form of transport for international over in a boat and a plane. Um, so we got a plane over on from Wellington. Um, Dan flew in from Auckland on the Thursday. Um, and do we want to talk about how we took our armies, lads? Because this seems like an appropriate time to... Yeah, Lee, talk about what you did. ...what we did in relation to protecting our armies so they wouldn't get fucked up for the travel. Um, so Lee... What did you do, man? Oh, is this so you like, can follow yeah, up the security? Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, there was a sale on Mighty Ape, like one of the uh, online providers here in New Zealand. So I managed to get a Magna Rack quite reasonable, still a little bit. And uh, then I proceeded to put magnets all on my thousands of dryads, the wrong ones first, because, you know, why do it once? And uh, yeah, use that to transport it over. But First thing we do when we get to the airport, the guy grabs the bag with all the magnets and just throws it down on his side as it was going through the X-Men machine. You almost um, dropped the fucking security guard as well. I was just like, oh, is this what we're going to do? Yes. Yeah, you seem to find that quite funny. But like, yeah, yeah, the first thing he does is grabs my bag, just throws it on the side. I'm like, oh, my toys. So, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it worked out okay. Quite a few models didn't quite stick with the magnets and moving it around the tournament was a bit of a pain because you had to keep putting them on the magnetized tray then take them off but yeah uh, on the way back i had it on its side and 
I think only about three models fell off for the whole of the flight back. And how yeah. many models do you have? On there, there was about 130. Oh, yeah, so three out of 130 is pretty good. Yeah, pretty good, yeah. Um, but, yeah, a few got damaged, but, yeah, they, that first bit scared the crap out of me. And would you recommend a Battlefront case? Yeah, was it I think fun? so. For, was yeah, as long as you're taking it as your hand luggage, it was good. I, uh, some of, like, I think Dan used it with the foam, and he seemed to have less. I think it's more making sure you've you've done the magnets right and everything, which apparently should be easy, but I managed to fuck right up on a few of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, transporting it around the like from table to table was a bit more of a pain than anything else. And um, yeah, yeah. I know one of the other lads has borrowed it to try and use it for his um, lizard army, and I think yeah. he runs yeah, out of room a lot. Right. Yeah, I think he runs out of room a lot quicker on the trays than I do. One of my opponents had one of those, uh, a Stormcast army. It seemed to work absolutely fine for him, but again, pretty low model count. The models are pretty big. Um, yeah, I there, myself there was there was there wasn't a lot of space, and I suppose the worst one was for any any of the models like Alarial. Um, she just would obviously the beetle could fit in there, but you, you couldn't put the actual whole model because it's just way too big. Yeah, yeah. Um, I myself, I took my Stormcast. Um, I didn't have any like Star Drakes or any big models, um, so that was that was good for myself. Uh, Stormcasts do travel pretty well because they're they're quite large and sort of uh, one singular piece almost. You know, arms go to the torsos, um, so they they do travel quite well. I put them, I have one of those GW Crusader cases um, in New Zealand, they're like $200 everywhere else, they're probably like I don't know, $40 um, and I pulled the foam out of that case and put it into some carry-on luggage, just like a travel bag that I have um, and I pulled some of the foam out and put my models in there and sort of wrapped it in foam, uh, took the bag as chicken, um, sorry, carry-on not chicken, um, so I carried it on and I just pretty much kept it upright the whole time and didn't throw it around or didn't toss it around like a dick. And I believe everything was fine. I think my Xeros's lantern broke at some point. Not too sure when, but um, that seemed to travel all right. So just a GW foam on a carry-on bag worked fine for myself. Uh, Seth, mate, how did you transport your models and how did that land up going? I uh, went the cheap and dirty route and I put my models in Tupperware containers with napkins um, to sort of uh, pad, pad the space in there to eat up the space and uh, bang around and actually um, lost nothing in transport. Um, I broke a few of them when I was putting them in and packing them up, but um, in the actual travel, I didn't break anything. Um, I just put them in my, in my carry-on bag, which was just a duffel bag, like a sports bag. Um, I had two, two separate containers holding all, all the spiders, all the grots, two of the skitter strands. Um, then I had the Rack Rock uh, Shaman in my backpack in, in its own Tupperware because it was a bit difficult to, to transport. And um, actually wrapped my Loon Shrine in bubble wrap and had it in the, um, in the bag as well. And I just carried it with me, like you said, and I was careful with how I was handling it. It was easy, man. Like, I can't imagine spending... $300 on a case to transport models when I could carry them in $20 of Tupperware with napkins like for the same thing and actually more successfully so I don't know maybe if you're a big <laughs> shot you know and you got all this money laying around you can do it but I don't see any reason it's called overtime but uh, yeah um, <laughs> I don't <laughs> over yeah, stress uh, 
uh, yeah, I, I think the the magnets work well. I think it'll be good going forward. But yeah, uh, you maybe not trying to fit as many models as I did onto the rack might be better. But yeah, your boys, you seem to have it a lot easier than I did. I think the magnets work would work really well for like car travel, or you know, like taking them to someone else's house or like to a tournament down the road. But when you have to give up the bag to someone else and they're handling it and they're not holding it exactly how it should be held, then you're going to run into issues. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, yeah, you just got to, yeah, a lot of it's trust in it that first time as well. Yeah. I think you just have to be sort of conscious about how you're packing it and know that, you know, you're not going to probably reopen this for maybe another eight or nine, 12 hours, possibly however long it is that you're traveling for. Um, and then when you're in like the airport or when you're putting it in the airplane, uh, just don't fucking toss it around, eh? Just just be gentle with it. When you're packing the car to drive for a couple of hours like we did, put all the armies on top, don't put them on bottom. Um, so definitely the recommendation from us novice travelers of doing it once would be obviously to have it in your carry-on and not check in your army unless you've got some sort of steel titanium case that is just does not get damaged whatsoever. Yeah, um, I think... Fraser checked his and he didn't have any issues, but he also really just had plague bearers and great and clean ones. So it's not like his models models were real delicate or intricate. So yeah, did he have that pluck foam? I'm sure he had the pluck foam where you like you pull it out for specific shapes and so on. And then he had a one of those the toolkits. Like Matt Britton has the same thing if you've seen it. And the box almost becomes like a custom sort of box. Yeah, yeah, it looked like a like a big pelican case type thing, you know, like a hard black case, and then you had the foam. I'm I'm not sure if the foam was pluck or if it was custom cut, but it was like, you know, really well fitting for like, models. Yeah, yeah, I I have seen those. Yeah, you get yeah. them at super cheap. They're like seventy bucks. They got Archeon and two bloodthirsters in one, and just yeah. chucked it on the airplane, and they throw it around and fucking baggage handling yeah, those things are skills. great the only issue is that when you um obviously when you've plugged the foam you you you're fucked because it's it's, it's just that's that one it. but that, that's yeah, what it's always yeah, going to be so, for yeah, it, it, it seems to work better for way. sorry yeah sorry it seems to work better when you've got like a low model count as well yeah well it's like my crusader case that i've got from gw it's a, i brought it a couple of years ago and I don't know when it was released. Um, again, it's the most expensive case GW does, uh, the biggest one. And when I collected Empire, it was great because everything on the like on the twenty-five mil Empire little guys, I could get fucking hundreds of them in there. But Stormcastle sort of has something slightly above head height, and because Stormcastle forty mil models are bigger, it means like the layers of the case are sort of stacked. You know, like my models got his hammer in the air, and then the next layer of models are stacked on top of him. So for my Stormcast, like all my Judicator bows, the top ends are broken. Um, my Dracoff Cav all have like broken spears and stuff because they're all just too big for it. So I wouldn't recommend buying one of those if you have a Stormcast army. But for smaller scale stuff, absolutely worth it. But yeah, those Pluck Foam ones are great. Um, I think we've talked enough about cases, unless anyone else has anything else to, any expert insight to put on cases. Yes, no? No, fantastic. We'll move on. Uh, so, as I said, we flew in Thursday morning into Sydney, which was great. I uh, met up with Dan from Auckland. He flew in at the same time. We then drove about three hours, is it? Three and a half? Four hours, maybe, to Canberra? A lot longer than it should have taken. 
Uh, we, <laughs> we arrived safely and in one piece and with no speeding yeah. tickets is what he was trying to say. Yeah, so Lee was driving and he was driving below the speed limit and it sort of then depends Seth as bitched who you about ask. it. So <laughs> then the speed... So oh man, I couldn't think of anything <laughs> worse. I started bitching, so I dropped another ten uh, k off of it. So I think I, you know, it was fi- it worked out fine in the end. Yeah, I was going to say it depends who you ask as to how fast Lee was actually going because I thought he was going like slightly under, but Seth seems to think he was going dramatically under. And then by the end of it, Fraser was getting on it too. So uh, no, we got everywhere we were going as we needed to get there. Uh, rolled into Sydney. I mean, not Sydney, Canberra. Uh, we were staying at the Caratel, which is where a bunch of other people were staying. Uh, the likes of Michael from Dim and Darkness, uh, Anthony Dale's coach, um, Clint from Heralds of War, along with uh, Rob and Nathan. And Hayden was staying in their flat as well. And then there was a bunch of other lads that were staying there too, who I unfortunately don't know their names um, or aren't internet celebrities, so therefore I haven't named them. Um, <laughs> so got in on the Thursday, went to a supermarket, Got some food, got some alcohol. Um, then what did we do? Thursday night, we uh, Dan went off with Clint and Rob to go see Travis for a barbecue. Uh, we had some drinks, stayed up much later than what we should have. Um, and anything significant happened on the Thursday night, guys, that I'm missing? Uh, yeah, I drank goon with Nathan. No. <laughs> oh, that's all right. They came back quite late, or was that? I think it was before they left. And... They were there quite yeah. early. We were drinking goon. Drank quite a lot of goon on a Thursday right. night. Probably way too much, but you saw him. Yeah, you saw him. Shook his hand and then gave him a fucking cheap glass of red wine or something. Yeah, like, it? yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you just want to explain to people who don't know what? Oh goon yeah, I probably should get into that. Shit. Uh, no, I don't... All right, so goon. Yeah, is boxed wine. I think everybody knows what boxed wine is. Your mother used to drink it. And it will be in the fridge, right? Probably rosé or some other pink type. Yeah. That's wine. In America, it's called Franzia is the brand of it. But anyway, what you do is you buy it red or white. You don't mess around with the pink shit. And um, immediately after purchasing it, you take it out of the box because that's lame. And you just carry around this big silver glowing bag of of really cheap fucking. Yeah. Really cheap shit. Um, I think I paid nine Australian dollar dues for four liters of it, which is like insane. So, come, yeah, it's heaps. It's a gallon? Yeah, three, yeah like 3.76, I think, is a gallon. So, pretty much just a gallon and a little bit more. Yeah, so a gallon of red wine for under $10. What can go I think, wrong? T- I think like nine <laughs> AU dollars is like. Four dollars in America or some shit like that. <laughs> I don't think it's that bad, but yeah, it's fucking it's it's cheap as cheap as anything. So we met Nathan and Rob quickly. You gave Nathan some goon. Uh, we set up drinking after they went out for dinner. Uh, retired to the cabin for the evening at in the early hours of the morning. I think because we were all quite excited. Uh, Friday we had what was called the Tasman Cup, which was held at the Wonderful Jolt Games in Canberra. Um, anyone want to talk about Jolt Games? Anyone have anything to say about Jolt Games? Uh, it was, uh, go for it, it was, in my mind, it was a top class um, game store, like A++. You know, it was pretty great. 
yeah, it was it was a really good place. Uh, I really wish we had one of these in Wellington. Um, it's a great site. There's loads of tables, really big. I think they were like eight by fours, so you had like room on the edge of the tables for all your crap. Um, but yeah, it was such a, a really really good venue. And uh, how many tables they were, were really there? cool with us? We were there for most were there of the twelve tables. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. And then they had like yeah. another place yeah, so set up was... for like um, RPGs, and, and then they had like a separate rooms for D and D. Like, it was, and then they had a magic tables and stuff. Like, it had all sorts of stuff yeah. there. It was awesome. Yeah, as well as it's a it's a hobby gaming store, so it was selling multiple games. Uh, you know, Warhammer, Magic, just every board games, everything under the sun. Uh, a couple of vending machines as well for drinks because fuck, it was hot when we were in Canberra. Um, the only thing they didn't sell was, I think, food. And the bathrooms were actually really nice. They were they were kept really well. So good job, Jolt Games. Um, yeah, absolutely wish we had one of those in Wellington because then we could go and run sort of little events out of them or just an easy way to play games uh, against um, opponents in a centralized area. So we get to Jolt Games early. I think it was about midday. Uh, we rock in. Who other than Sam Morgan, that sexy bitch that has so many base accounts at the moment on Twitter, uh, was sitting there swinging his big old dick around, throwing down challenges to anyone that would play him. Uh, I played him. I I won. Uh, That's about as much time as we'll give Sam. Um, Lee, you played a game, did you? Sam's not good at math. Sorry, what was that? (laughs) (laughs) Sam's just uh, excited. You played someone before we actually got into the Tasman Cup? Yeah, so I played... uh... Dane, my cousin, so it's the first time with like, him being in Australia, me being in the UK and then being here, so first time we've ever played, so that was oh. kind of cool. Um, yep. I beat him, he'll say it's a draw, he'll be wrong, and uh, yeah, <laughs> no, it was really good, so uh, I think next time we're in Australia, I think it's a proper grudge in the first round for that. Yeah, so a win for you, a draw for him, a nosebleed for everyone who played. Got it. P- pretty um, much. Yeah. Seth, <laughs> Did you play a, a game before um, Tasman Cup, or did you? I think you were just doing hobby, no. weren't you, or like repairing? Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, yeah, I was just uh, gluing together the models that sort of broke when I was packing things up. I was way too hungover to play a game at noon. Yeah, way too hungover. Yeah, it was, and that heat was a killer as well. It was getting pretty hot on the Friday. Um, so we played in what's called the Tasman Cup. Uh, so from what I understand, this has been covered off on other shows, but I'll just try to do it quickly here. Um, so Charles Black, or Chuck Black, who, from what I understand, is an old-school wargamer, um, big in the old-school fantasy scene, um, reached out to Dan, uh, Mr. Shorts, and asked if he wanted to start up like a an Anzac Cup sort of rivalry sort of match that happens annually at CanCon or at other to-be-determined venues. Um, and we said, yeah, sure, why not? We'll get in a game before CanCon. Get some meat, guys, I think was more what it was about. Um, you know, it wasn't hugely competitive on our side we were just using cancon rules cancon lists um we had the five guys playing in it minus james mcpherson um from new zealand it was just the guys who were going and australia had um, a bunch of lads from sydney and sam from what i understand um it was just all done in good spirits it was all friendly it was, it was competitive on the tabletop but it wasn't like a lot of pre-event shit talk or you know, it's there's no history behind it. It's a brand new sort of um, series, I guess, with Age of Sigma coming in and replacing Fantasy. So there wasn't a big build-up behind it. Um, I played 
Paul, um, who had the Swift Hawk agent. Sorry, Paul, I don't know your last name. I believe Seth might know it. Um, yeah, Gr- Grixty. Grixty, yeah, I played yeah. Paul. Paul's awesome play. Uh, no issues there. We played, I believe we played Border War. Um, I'll just quickly recap the game. Uh, he went out to an early lead as he has lots of bodies in his army. Um, and I was able to sort of grind him off towards the end of the game. Um, and I scored quite a few points in the last two turns. I can't remember off the top of my head how many points it was, but I think I almost max scored the last two rounds and I won by like two points. Um, I had maybe, I don't know, 20 models left if that, and Paul had, I think, two encounters or something. So he got out to an early lead with all his movement. Um, I pulled it back late and got the win for Team New Zealand. Uh, Lee, you want to cover off your game next, mate? Uh, yeah, I was playing Sam in uh, Relocating Org. And um, yeah, it was yeah, uh, it was a really cool game. Um, it was a lot tighter than it should have been. I put the my eels in way too early, which will be a theme of the next weekend. And, so it's uh, just how you play. It, yeah. It just uh, it went with alternate scores, so like it was, uh, you know, I took the first, I had the first turn, he had the second turn, so we were quite evened on the game, and it all came down to where the orb bounced on the last turn and whether he could get across, and he did, and he had still had the evocators left, and his general, the I can't remember what it was, the free gold general, free guild general, free guild general on Griffin, yeah, yeah, the empire, so that kind of model. Yeah, so that came that came across and then just took off the rest of my model, so I couldn't physically get enough people across to try and claim it on that last turn. But yeah, it was a really good game. But as we were going, we were hearing the the chat from around the room, and you know it was like, well, New Zealand are up two nil. Oh no, they're going to be one all, or it's definitely one nil to Australia. And then it was yeah, so it was getting more tense as the games went on because you were hearing that it was going to come down to the wire, which we thought it was always going to do. But Sam took the win. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was pretty nick and nick the whole time. There wasn't like a clear winner. I think Oz went up 1 0, then it was 1 0. Then I think we went up 2 1, then it was 2 0, and it came down to one game at the end. But I'll get Seth to quickly cover off his game, which I think will just be very quick. Yeah, quickly. I um, should have started with you. Very Steph. quick. I'll, I'll, um, I'll go through <laughs> it um, in real time, and it'll be over in two minutes. Um, uh, I play Liam. Uh, Burnett Blue, who plays Winterleaf. Um, I was playing um, Gloom Spike Gits with uh, Focus on Spiders. Um, we'll, we'll talk about this later. But basically what happened is we played Better Part of Valor. We we deployed. Um, Liam took first turn, obviously, because he has one drop. Um, then he got all his spells off, did everything properly. Um, everything went perfect for him. He came across my side of the board. Uh, and burned all six objectives before I got a turn, and that was a game. Yeah, yeah. So that was a really shit matchup. <laughs> yeah, it was rough. So, um, it's all good though. We, I mean, we... given, given uh, yeah, I think we all sort of saw it coming. To be honest, I don't think anyone was surprised at that result. Um, and it's just better part of Vela and Liam's army, um, or any army that functions like Liam's is just, um, yeah, it, it is what it is. <clears throat> yeah, no, I wasn't faced by it at all. Um, we played out the rest of the first turn, yeah. and if we had gone to two turns, two full turns, I would have tabled him. But that's not what the game's about. So yeah, 
Yeah, no, nah, not at all. Not at all. Um, so I believe Seth's game was the first over. I think it was over sort of as I was deploying almost. Um, then I believe Fraser finished, and then I think I finished. Uh, so we were 2-1 up, and then Lee lost, and then it was Mr. Short's first Hayden Walker. In the last game, two Sylvanef guys um, were playing. So it came down to this game as to who won the cup. Um, and I don't know a lot of the detail that went behind it. Um, Dan might talk about it a bit more and some coverage he does. But from what I understand, uh, Dan won. So we won the Tasman Cup, which is great. Uh, but however, Dan had nothing but really positive things to say about Hayden. And I believe he almost even said, or maybe he just did straight out say Hayden sort of let Dan win the game because Dan forgot about something and Hayden pointed it out. Um, Dan's super knowledgeable about the game, but he doesn't get to play as many games as he would like, um, as often as he, as he would like, as he'll admit. And Hayden, um, I have nothing but nice things to say about that lad. He is he's a natural yeah. gen. Um, they, they were all awesome, but yeah. Oh, I'd this will be a recurring thing. The... Yeah. Yeah, like, um, probably heard a lot, you know, most people probably heard some bad things about Liam, but that dude is a legend, dude. Like, he's, was, he's one of the, my favorite people I met all weekend while we were there. Nothing but nice things to say about him. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't sort of a villain or, or anything of the sort that I was not so much expecting, but, um, had been led to believe. So, um, no, nah, Liam's all good. <laughs> I had no beef with him or no beef with anyone there. Absolutely 100% play everyone that I played again and everyone that I met. I play again. I think the only downer was was old mate, but we might or we may or might talk about him later. Um, yeah, so we won Tasman Cup, and then that was Friday. After that, well, it wasn't the whole of Friday. Uh, we finished about was it seven seven thirty guys? Yeah, I think about seven thirty. We got out of there. We really in lunch. Okay. Yeah, we'd been in jolt games for about almost eight hours or so. Um, and then we got outside, and it was like fucking thirty five degrees. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> As Jolt was nicely aircon. Uh we got back to the Caratel and Michael from Doom and Darkness, as you've probably heard from seventy other podcasts, um, was throwing a big barbecue. So that was awesome. That was a fantastic icebreaker, uh, which Michael said was the intent, and he fucking knocked it out of the park with that one. That was a great idea. Got to meet so many people. Um, again, everyone was fucking awesome. Everyone had so much time for us. Um, there was not, you know, I don't know. Everyone was just great. Like, as soon as people heard who we were and we, what we were doing, they were just they were fucking interested. They wanted to know. No one ever just went like, "Oh, you dick from New Zealand." They were just fully invested and involved. Um, but Lee, did you stay around the barbecue for long? I can't remember, mate. No, nah, not too long. I was still hungover. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, yeah right. stayed around for a bit. Yeah, I was really suffering. Yeah. Uh, still yeah. chatted to a few people, and they were also welcoming and. Like yeah. They're all interested in our scene and wanted to ask questions what we were expecting at the tournament and like from their players and see if there was going to be any difference. Um, interested yeah. to know if we had any big events coming up over here and that sort of stuff. So uh, I think they just really enjoyed that people were traveling as far to share in the hobby. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I myself, um, I think I followed you not long after Lee. I stayed up to maybe sort of nine or ten. I can't even remember. I was suffering from a hangover. I was hot. I was tired. Um, I was wanting to try put my best foot forward for CanCon uh, for the first few rounds until I lost anyway. So I stayed, had a few drinks, um, just drinking that great, great Northern Territory beer or whatever. 
it was someone brought i don't know who but someone brought it for us so thank you very much for whoever did that um but the beer was fucking warm <laughs> i was just not feeling it so i ate barbecue and retired but i believe goon boss i i believe you were in oh, you know me. Room, weren't you my friend um yeah i was there until they kicked us out so yeah drinking the goon with uh some of the australian guys and networking shaking hands and kissing babies and you know there, there was a baby there you know, <laughs> but i didn't actually kiss it yeah probably be yeah, creepy there but, was a baby um, there. yeah it was cool to meet all those guys and um and uh they made the announcement or posted the, the matchups while we were at the barbecue i think you guys maybe had left or i yeah. was actually just leaving because i had someone i had dad come up to me saying you have a cunning ruck to play and just laughed and then left. And yeah, I so like, I think <laughs> I think I met Lucky that night, so. my round one opponent, which was cool um, to meet the guy you're going to play that you have no idea who he is. You know what I mean? And you meet him and you're both having a drink together. It's a pretty cool um, thing. And we took heaps of photos and and I'm not sure what time I came to bed, but you guys were already asleep when I got there. So. Well, we're trying to be asleep from what I remember, but I don't know. I got to sleep pretty quickly anyway, but Lee, on the other hand, might have a different story to tell. I had the same story 12 different times. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was more talking about Sif coming to bed. <laughs> nah, that nah, is all good. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so, yeah, we found out our pairings. Um, so I guess we'll transition into CanCon itself, into the Saturday at least, uh, the round, round one and so on. So what we'll do now is we'll quickly cover off our list and why we took these lists and what we were sort of hoping to do like our goals for cancon um regarding the sort of match play tournament side of it or if we were looking for hobby awards or whatever it was what we were trying to achieve um so i took my stock standard so i'll cover off my first three games and i'll get the last the same so i'll be talking for a bit here uh so i took my stormcast i took anvils of Haldenhammer because it's it's pretty good and it works pretty well with my army um i had an anointed on Assyrian of Frostheart Phoenix, and that was an ally. I had a Lord Arcanum, uh, who was my general. I had two Lord Relictors, who both had translocation. Uh, in CanCon, you could choose your prayers and your spells round to round. I never changed them. They were always translocation, because it's pretty sort of... Um, it's pretty key to how this list works. I had a Knight Azeros, uh, so he's the guy with the Lantern for the reroll ones. He had the Artifact Soul Thief, which is what I have to take with Anvils of Howden Hammer. Um, so the reason he's got the artifact is for relocation orb, he's a fast-moving hero, but as an artifact, so it counts as 20 models. Uh, I had no battalion, so I only had the one artifact, so I was trying to obviously get that off my wizard. I had two units of 10 skinks uh, with the uh, is it bolt spitters, is that what they're called? And the shields, uh, the, the pipes. Uh, they're simply there for bodies. I had five judicators, five liberators, five sectors as my battle line. Then I had three units of three aether wings, um, which were just fantastic. And then I had nine uh, Vanguard Raptors with long strike crossbows in one unit, and I had a Bellwind Vortex. So how this list works is Anvils lets me shoot or combat or um, you know do combat in the hero phase as well as doing it for a, the cost of a command point, as well as doing it later that turn. Uh, so the idea is that I make the Relictors shoot in the hero phase, and then shoot again in the shooting phase. So I get two rounds of shooting. So it's sort of like an old Aether Strike force, um, except less shooty because I don't get to shoot you when my units die. Uh, the Lord Arcanum is there as my general. He's there to unlock Sectors' battle line. 
Um, he's there because he's a pretty solid six wound spellcaster. Um, I have I could have taken Encanter, but I felt like I wanted to try the Arcanum because I wanted the Secutors in the in the army because every time the Liberators had to do something, for the most part, Liberators were just here to stand on objectives. But every time the Liberators really had to do something, they just fucking let me down. They sucked. So I was wanting to try to get Secutors in there just to give me another sort of melee combat threat because I really don't have many in my army. Um, I had a Bellwind Vortex. Uh, the reason I had a Bellwind Vortex was so the Lord Arcanum would cast Bellwind Vortex, buff the Phoenix, and then once he's on the Vortex, he's got two spells, um, so you cast another spell the turn that you summon it, so that's two chances to buff the Phoenix up to a 3-plus uh, save. So that's the intent of having the Bellwind, is a double spell casting on my single spell um, wizard. That way I can try buff him and make him better. The Lord Relictors have Translocation. The reason for that is I put one in the sky, put one on the board. They would sit near the long strikes at the start of the game. And then I could shoot in the hero phase. Because you have to be wholly of an 18 of my general, but wholly of a 9 of a hero. However, I could deploy them sort of very defensively. And people would go, oh, well, you're out of range. And then if I rolled a free up in Translocation, what I could do is teleport the long strikes even sort of five, six inches forward. So not like throwing them out in the middle of nowhere, but keeping them relatively close to my army. Um, obviously, I need a hero nearby to make me a shoot. So you sort of feign a deployment. You go, I'm going to put them back here. Actually, turn one, I'm teleporting them 10 inches forward. Now I'm in range of your whole army. Now they're going to shoot, and then they're going to shoot again in the shooting phase. So that's the reason they're there, is to make the long strikes mobile and to put them anywhere on the board that I want them to be. Uh, the reason I put one in the sky is because the first time I teleport the long strikes, especially if it was across the board or you know twenty inches away from my relictor, I would drop the second relictor from the sky on top of the long strikes, and that way I could teleport um, them back anywhere on the board, or I could teleport them back to the original deployment zone where the other relictor was. So once both relictors were down, my army was pretty predictable because I'd normally be teleporting them between both relictors, so I had to sort of separate my relictors to get to cover more board space. They do have a 30-inch range, but when you teleport them, you can hit almost anything on the board. Uh, the Knight of Xeros was there to give, me, give myself re-roll ones in, shooting, uh, in, in any phase, and if anything's within 10 inches of him. So mainly that would channel with the long, uh, synergize with the long strikes, so that way I was hitting on twos, re-rolling ones, mortal wounds on sixes, uh, wounded on threes, rend two, damage two. Uh, the 10 skinks, the two units 10 skinks, were there simply as objective grabbers, bodies, chaff screens, that's all. I just needed more bodies on the board. Uh, the five Judicators were there just to pick up what the long strikes couldn't finish. So normally in the hero phase, I'd shoot my long strikes at a priority target, uh, like a Savage Boss or a Bloodthirst, uh, just naming stuff that I actually shot him at. Um, Hair Queen on Shrine for Daughter's Cane. And then sometimes that unit after my hero phase shooting would have one or two wounds left. Instead of reallocating the shots from my long strikes, which are high value um, good quality shots, I'd shoot them with my Judicators and try to chip off those one or two or three wounds that were remaining with the Judicators, and that way I could redirect the long strikes in another priority target. Um, so that's what the Judicators were there for. Five Liberators because they were bodies and I needed battle lines. Secrets was already what I said. Oh, and the Frostheart Phoenix was there simply to be a distraction piece. Um, my army is not combat orientated whatsoever. The Phoenix moves extremely quickly. If I can get him up to a free up rerolling one saves, which is casting two spells plus the Mystic Shield, needs a free up rerolling ones with a four up ward save. And I would just more often than not push him into the middle of the board, push him where I thought objectives were going to be, 
push them into um, favorable combats that I like the look of where I could hold up a unit or grind and then they would sort of grind on the Phoenix. And that was more or less intent of this. Shoot you, move around the board, chuck a Phoenix at you so you grind on the Phoenix and then sort of win in the later rounds. Um, yeah, I believe that. How did um, how did you boys find the the picking spells and prayers before the game? Um, as I th- it's it's not really something we do around here. No, it's not. I know I know you stuck to relocation, yeah. but did, did the other guys swap it up or no? Nah, not really. No, I kept the I kept the same ones that I had in mind when I wrote my lists the whole time. I didn't change anything. Yeah, the same with Sylvan F. What about you, Sylvan F? If you need you rely on the same three spells. So um, it was always going to be the same. There was nothing. There was no matchup that would make me take anything else. Um, I don't know about my opponents actually. I never really asked if they changed it up as they went. But yeah, to be honest, I didn't, once we got started, I didn't even think about it because it's so unusual to how we usually run stuff here. Yeah, yeah. It seems to give you such a big toolbox, especially if your army's got like a big, um, big couple laws of spells like death or. Central. Well, it'd be good for the or yeah. Would like it that, be know? good for the corner I... prayers as well? Yeah, yeah, totally. You could you know switch up killing frenzy and bronze flesh. Yeah, yeah I think if I guess if I had played bone splitters, I prob- probably would have switched spells through the games. But um, the the ones in the gloom spite um, book that stood out the most to me because um, I could you know take one from the spider fang lore and one from the lore of the moon clans. Um, it was pretty no-brainer, like, which one's the best that you take. So um, it really wasn't too yeah, much of an You had the Arachna Cauldron two ways, so you just... Yeah, yeah, so I just yeah, anyway. I cast I cast it with my Shaman on Arachnarok, and then he can, he's got ten spells he can choose from. Well, six, seven, or whatever it is, a lot. Jesus Christ. Uh, do you want to go with your sweet damage-heavy Alariel and six heals list there, oh, Here we go. Uh, so my defensive art <laughs> build. Uh, so uh, I took the same uh, list that I'd taken to our New Zealand Masters a couple of uh, months before. Uh, practiced it a bit over Christmas and didn't think there was a better build. But it's a two-drop Sylvaneth list, which to everybody else who doesn't play Sylvaneth is completely fine. Mm. But two drops sort of keeps you awake at night when you're thinking about it. But I thought the list worked quite well. So I had uh, Alario. Um, she was there for main, her main thing was to act for the three dispels and the summoning options that she could have. So once a game, you can choose which you can drop 20 uh, dryads, three of any other type of hunters, uh, 10 tree revs or a tree lord or a branch witch. Um, so the utility of her is really good. Plus, you know, she she's fast and flies, which is cool. Um, then I had two branch witches because they're great at the moment with the minuses to hit from being in a, uh, being near a woods, and the ability to bring on ten dryads a turn with a spell. Then I had uh, the uh, soul scryer from Deepkin. He was an ally, and his job that was there for the what we'll get to in a minute with the eels, but um, it meant that I could deep strike them or give plus three to their charge if you needed. Then I had 30 dryads, 10 dryads, 10 dryads, 10 dryads, and then six of the attacky eels that occasionally attacked. And because it's winter leaf, 
I can go over the 400 points that you usually stuck with for an ally because the six eels count as part of the Winterleaf formation where you can take any order unit. So took them and then the Soul Scry gave you more options. Um, but yeah, so that's it. Uh, the build for spells is always going to be the same. It's throwing the vines on Alarial to try and get pluses to cast, but more importantly, pluses to the spells. Uh, Age of Acorn to try and give you the extra woods or give you the extra woods straight away. And then Vernon Blessing to try and put out more woods. Um, the whole idea of the list is to try and take punishment while scoring points because the dryads are amazing at the moment or getting minus one with some of the realm uh, features that was you could get that to minus two or minus three on some things and then have fast units that could come out and take units out that were important to the other army or uh, just try and do some damage not too much because we don't want to get carried away yeah, well, the eels work good. They keep it easy because they fly, so they obviously just ignore all the terrain. And your army yeah. lacks, outside of Valerial, a lot of rend. Um, so obviously on well, the charge, they they do quite good. It's it's reach was the problem. Yeah. So we tried like so. I found that like particularly with a lot of death at the moment, that I couldn't get to units that kept back that could out magic me. So we tried different variants. Like uh, I tried uh. Riggers, Sky Wardens, because things because of the woods, um, things yeah. have to fly. So we went through loads of different options to try and get that, and the eels were doing well. But um, once you added the Soul Scryer, it made the list work a lot better because people always had to be wary of leaving gaps. Yeah. And then if they did leave a gap, you could pop on, and then uh, as like some of the missions, you don't actually have to put the eels off the board. You just put the soul scryer off the board and it gives you again, more flexibility, mm. but it's never going to be a list that does a lot of damage, but the eels give you the chance to do a bit of targeted damage. If that makes sense. Yeah. Pick off a unit or come on late game and try pick something up. Cause they don't have to come on in any turn, do they? Or do they have to come on by a certain turn? No, no. Um, and there's a lot of things in the Sylvaneth book as well about like, so you're not um, constricted by keeping one unit in four off the board. You can keep as much off as you want or as much on and you, as you teleport around. So all these little things means that you've got options for the, uh, like later turns. You don't have to bring them on in turn one or two if you, if you don't think there's a gap. And it keeps your opponent really honest because they have to like, not only take into account the Sylvaneff movement, but then you've got another unit that can come on. The only downside of the eels is once, if someone think can stop them charging, then they can they can just get held up really quickly. Yeah, their damage yeah. profile goes down. The, the damage is so. pretty poo when you're when your opponent's the one that's charging you. So yeah. to be fair to say, your army in sort of summary is like a a board control army. Um, Pretty use of summoning dryads and lots of dryads and obviously woods, getting near objectives and controlling objectives with a unit that has the possibility to alpha strike or beta strike, being the eels, something that's quite punchy and quite quick. Is that a fear? Yeah, it it's a kind of yeah, it's kind of like a movement denial army. So yep. the idea is to stop uh, people tend to bring other units that can 
deep strike and things. So with the number of bodies, I can zone out the board quite well. I didn't later on in games. I left a couple of spaces. And it can move all the time. So with Winterleaf and Forest Folk, it means that you can, um, when you do your initial setup, you can look like you're going one way and then quickly change tack on the side, on the other side of the board if you see a gap. But like I say, it's never going to be one of those that does a lot of damage, but it can take a reasonable amount of damage as well, as long as you're playing, hit, if they're hitting the dryad screen um, yeah. when they're close to a wood. And Alaria um, is, is more of a lure than anything else. Like I say, she's there for her magic. She can do damage, but people like to try and attack her. So oh, she's can... missing, bait. Yeah. Yeah. What I found. It's, it's like my Frost Heart. She's just bait. I mean, as long as you get that first turn and you can summon those Dryads, as long as, from what I've witnessed of your gameplay anyway, um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but as, as long as she can summon those Dryads, which. You more you almost always summon from what I understand. Um, as soon oh, as they're so done, it, you're, it actually, you're... the more the more you play, the more you realise that the options of the the um, summoning are really good. So, um, like in the mirror match later on, I summoned um, tree revs because they don't need woods to move, so that gives mm. you more option. Um, yeah, the I uh, I had to summon bodies against Nighthaunt, but the idea was always going to be um, sword hunters. Because they do a lot of attacks, so it's twelve attacks uh, hitting on threes and threes. Ren doesn't matter, but it's two damage, so you you can get quite a bit of output there. And then, yeah. um, you know, well, Winterleaf means that you get um, bonuses. So every six or five in your turn is an extra attack. And if you're fighting against Chaos, it's rerolling ones to hit uh, and wound. You don't get that for the summoned units. So the twenty that you're bringing on are great as bodies, but they are they don't get the same sort of uh, combat punch, for want of a better word, that the other units yeah. do. So, um, so yeah, I I I like Alarial for the options that she brings you in that summoning, and you can change it as you need. Um, the only problem is the unit when you summon it, you can't move it in that turn, so you got to try and plan a little bit ahead. Great stuff. Uh, so, Seth, cool. do you want to cover off your list, mate? Yeah, I'll be much more brief and concise than you guys were. Um, <laughs> so, I took Gloom Spike Gits. Um, I focused on spiders mostly. Uh, and I chose what I chose um, because I told myself in October when I realized that a book was probably coming out that if spiders got love, that I would play spiders <clears throat> first and foremost. So, um, they did get a lot of love and I, I played them. Um, uh, I chose the, the sort of the combination of the units I chose because I thought that it would be a real dick punching list. Um, and it totally wasn't, which I'm sure that, um, we'll cover later. Uh, but the list was, uh, scuttle boss on a gigantic spider. Um, he was my general. Um, he had the monstrous mount command trait and the black fang artifact, which, um, could put him up to like potentially 44 mortal wounds um, each combat phase. He did not perform that well. He didn't do 44 wounds the entire weekend, but um, like I said, we'll get into that later. A web spinner shaman on a Ragnarok spider um, with the artifact of uh, Totem of the Spider God. So what that is, is 
puts a 12 inch bubble around that model, which is 160 mil base. So it's massive. Um, and everything that's wholly within that 12 inch bubble, um, all the spiders at least do their mortal wounds um, from their fang attacks on a five instead of a six. So it's basically like they're under the influence of the bad moon um, as long as they're near that guy. Um, the spell I chose from that I kept all weekend was Scuttling Terrors. And what that does is that it lets a unit of spider uh, spider riders run in charge, which is really good because, you know, they're quite quick and they can sort of ignore terrain. And um, I sh list shits out command points. So, um, you know, 16-inch move with the run and then a charge. So it gets real, real good threat projection for the spiders. Um, a fungoid cave shaman with um, the Hand of Gork spell from the Lord of Moon Clans, which that spell is like an auto-take in the in the gets list you have to take it it's the choosing unit holy within tw uh, 24 um on a seven you teleport them anywhere you want on the board nine away from the enemy it's an amazing spell um he has changed quite a bit the fungoid cave shaman from prior to the book release um some say it's better some say it's worse uh the thing i like about him the best is he now has a four board save and um at the beginning of your turn, he generates an extra command point on a four plus. So he made command points all weekend. He probably was the best unit in my list, to be honest. Um, as far as battle line, I had a unit of 15 spider riders, a unit of 10 spider riders, and then two units of 20 stabbers. Um, both of them had spears, obviously three nets, and I chose um, the Bad Moon Icon Bears to give them plus one saving and shooting. Because I wasn't quite so sure how the meta would shake out in Australia if they had a lot of shooting or whatever. Um, and my Loon Shrine gives me Battleshock immunity. So I knew that I'd have them on the back half of my board um, protecting my home objectives. So I figured they'd be safe and they wouldn't need the plus one bravery from the flag. Um, I took two behemoths, which were both Skitterstrand Arachnoroks. And I took the Skitterstrand Nest Battalion. And what that does is that allows. Um, my spiders to get plus one to charge for every spider that drops together. So if I drop the two skitter strand spiders together in one turn, they're plus two to charge um, from nine away from the enemy. So that's pretty good. I took a couple endless spells, scrap scuttles, arachna cauldron for 50 points, which I'm not sold on if it's great or if it's okay. Like, yes, it's good, but I'm not sold on how good it is. Um, it gives you the plus one to cast. It also allows your your wizard, whoever casts it, to learn all the, the spells from the Lore of the Moon Clans. So, like, that's amazing. Learning all the, having all those spells and all those more tools in your toolkit. Um, it moves around with you and it acts as a unit. Or it acts as your model. Sorry. So it sort of has to stay within an inch of your model. Wherever you move it, sort of scuttles behind you. Um, at the beginning, when you when you cast it. It does D3 mortal wounds to a unit within three inches. So most of the time it'll be one of your chaff units or your wizard. Um, and then at the start of every hero, your hero phase after that, it does D3 mortal wounds to another unit within three inches. Mm -hmm. So if you play your cards right, it, that can be the enemy, which, you know, is really good free D3 mortal wounds. Um, the other endless spell I took was a chronomantic hogs and the thought, process behind that was um, that I would cast cogs, uh, have cogs up to speed up time, then I would drop my skitter strand spiders in behind the enemy, 
then they'd be plus four to charge. So their nine inch charge would turn into a five inch charge with two big monster spiders and um, they do work. Um, it didn't quite work out that way. They failed more of those five inch charges than I would like for them to. And I found out pretty quickly that um, they're not real hammers. Like they do have some good damage potential, but the likelihood that you um, can tap into that damage potential when they're so far out ahead of your army is pretty low because they sort of rely on doing those mortals on fives. And if you can't, if you can't do that, then um, they're not going to perform to their, to, to what they can. Um, and that was probably the theme of my weekend was that I didn't play the moon or the, um, the totem, of the spider God on my, my shaman. I didn't play those the best way I could. So a lot of time I was smashing into things and, re and relying on sixes to do mortals. And that's not the way <clears throat> that things need to work with this army. Um, you need those fives and you need to cast your spells from your shaman to, um, double your mortal wounds. And it's a lot of synergy that you need to play with together. Um, but I only had like three practice games, so I didn't really have much time to, to get things right. Um, yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask, do you think the book coming out, do you think the book coming out so close to CanCon just meant that you didn't have chance to see all these yeah, problems? Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, and yeah, they're problems, but I, the army still performed well. Um, over the weekend, but I didn't learn to play it until probably late afternoon on Saturday. <laughs> so I was like two games down, two games down before I even figured out what I was how doing. How do you um? How do you uh? How do you, how do you think you could have played like the moon better, or like is there something in particular yeah, so that I, you sort of clicked I, halfway through and you're like, oh, I played way too the whole cagey time. the whole time, specifically with my um my shaman on the yep. spider like he that dude should have been out in the front projecting that bubble for my spider riders to go into and he should have been casting his um signature spell to double mortal wounds like non-stop um and what i found even though he's a double caster what i found was that um i had too many spells if that makes any sense like all my spells are really good and i'm like oh shit i need to cast this now I need to cast this and one would have to be left out. And more often than not, it was the double mortal wound spell. Cause I felt like I needed the others. So maybe having like even a web spinner on foot, a shaman on foot, that could cast some spells that need to be cast where I can free up that specific spell from my guy on the, on the spider um, and play him much more aggressively. Cause I kept him in the back. Like, like he was a really fragile wizard when the reality is he's a 14 wound monster with a four up save, like that can do heaps of damage in melee. So I should have pushed him way forward and projected that bubble. Um, the guy played my fifth game. Um, he played spiders also, and he did a good job of that, which is sort of when I it clicked in my head, like that's the way I should be doing it. Not the way I have been. So, but yeah, that's my list. Have you managed? No, I haven't. Have you managed to play since CanCon with like a different any style games since then? So, but I think um, my next lot of games, I'm going to play a few games with just sort of a, a more traditional list that's not so mixed. It'll be probably it'll be squigs and stabbers and fanatics and you know stuff like that, stuff that you'd expect. 
outside of spiders. Yeah, well, um, maybe we'll get into that at the end after we're done talking about our matches, about possible, um, you know, things we would change or we didn't like or disappointments in our lists and so on. Uh, just quickly before we actually start rolling into the the games at CanCon, uh, what were you guys' goals for CanCon? Um, what did you want to achieve, whether it be match play or hobby? Um, I quietly wanted to get into the top 10 of CanCon, um, although before the event I wouldn't have announced it in any public forum because then I would have felt like I had a responsibility to achieve the top 10. Um, so that's what I wanted. I I was going there to try win five games out of the six, if not all six, if possible, um, and do as well as I could. And saying that, I didn't know what the Australian meta was really about. I knew I had to have a way to deal with an Arcan hiding behind 40 Grim Gas Reapers, uh, hence why I took the range list, and plus there's not a lot of range being played. So I wanted a top 10. Um, didn't quite get there, but we'll talk about that in a bit. What about you, Lee? What were you after, mate? Or did you have uh, any so goals? I think, I think we all said that we all wanted to be top Kiwi. Um, so that was, seems to be like a, a group goal. Um, yeah. I'd said beforehand that I wanted to be top 50, um, mainly because we didn't really know how the meta was going to be. So I didn't want to give like a, a goal that was unattainable. So I thought top 50 should be all right if I win more games than I lose. And the other one I really... Wanted to be top Sylvaneth player was the outside goal, but I was expecting a lot more Sylvaneth lists than they were actually at the event. Yeah, I was quite surprised at how few they were, in all honesty. Um, Seth, yeah. did you have any goals going into it, mate? Yeah, dude. Um, I wanted to win three games. I was trying to be pretty humble about it. Um, secretly, I wanted to win four, but I was trying to be realistic and not put my goal too far out of reach because, like, if I went to the event, had a goal, didn't achieve my goal, I would probably felt like shit afterwards. So <laughs> I want—I wanted to win three. If I won three, I'd be totally happy. And I wanted to just like have a really good time because uh, it's been a while since I've been on like a holiday and that sort of was a holiday for me. So win three games, have a real good time. And I like accomplished both of them. So yeah, I was pretty stoked. It definitely was a holiday. Um, I I think my bottom criteria was to win more games than I lost, but I believe that was quite <laughs> quite a low bar. I'm not trying to sound arrogant, but if you're going to spend this money and travel this way, and I am a I'm pretty chilled by nature, but when I'm on the table, I'm pretty competitive. Um, so I did want to do as well as I could. So I guess we'll roll into the games now. So in my first game, I played the beautiful man that is Matt Gammy. Um, as I said, we knew about our draw the night before. Um, I saw Matt's list. It was a Bone Splitters Cunning Rock list. I've played against a couple of Cunning Rocks before. I have a pretty low opinion of Cunning Rocks, in all honesty. Um, and that's just because the time it takes to roll dice and all the actions, you know, the multi phase stuff, um, which is pretty hypocritical because I also have multi phase interactions. However, I'm only rolling nine dice at a time. So I guess that's maybe me accepting my yeah it is what it is um so i got to the table and we got to the venue about uh, i don't know 20 minutes beforehand got to the table um found it eventually out of the 100 odd tables that were there and got there started setting up was waiting for matt um was waiting for matt 
he turns up, um, bang on time, wasn't late or anything at all. And he goes, oh, yeah, I do play bone splitters. However, I play really fast. So hopefully, um, you know, don't judge me sort of like that. It's not like I even said to him, fuck you, you're a bone splitters player. I really dislike you or anything. He just flat out came to the table and was just like, yeah, I play fast. Don't worry. We'll get for a game. We'll be sweet. And I was like, fuck, I love this guy already. This is exactly what I want to hear. And then he goes, oh, I don't have like my dice and my tape measure because I flew into Canberra like seven hours ago. So I need to go find some tape measure and some shit. And I was like, this motherfucker, he just told me we're going to get for our game and it's going to be quick. But uh, no, Matt's from uh, Mango Mafia and he flew in late the night before um, with some other lads, from what I understand. Um, I'm not going to cover off his list because I don't have it at hand, but it was... Um, it wasn't like a typical cunning rock or anything because I don't know if there is such a thing. But um, all I knew is I we're playing three places of power. I need to kill the Savage Orc big boss uh, who turns off the hero phase interaction. And that way I've got a decent chance of um, of doing well in the game. Uh, we deploy. Matt outdrops me because I'm like 14 drops and everyone outdrops me. Uh, he gave me first turn, which I was quite surprised about. Um, I had my... I translocated my long strikes about three inches to the left so I could shoot his savage big boss. And I believe I did two wounds with the nine shots. And I was just like, wow, that that's really sucks. Maybe he's going to survive this turn. And then I shot him again with my um, long strikes in the shooting phase and was able to pick him off. And I was just like, sweet, that's, um, that's not game by all means because he still had like another five heroes. However, his other heroes were standing behind his units and were going to get stuck behind his guys. Um, in the movement phase, I shove my Phoenix forward and I shove my Zeros forward to start scoring. Uh, Matt goes, he had four big stabbers in the middle, which is where my Phoenix was. He pushed him into my Phoenix and just whiffed, just couldn't do any damage, which was amazing. It kept me alive. Roll for priority at the bottom of turn one. Uh, Matt won it, which was very intense on my part. Um, he killed the Zeros, and I was thinking, fuck, those four stabbers could kill the Phoenix. Um, however, he didn't kill the Phoenix. He Again, he rolled pretty poorly. And as I was killing his big stabbers, he was rolling D3 mortal wounds and was rolling like a one. And then my Phoenix would roll four up to save it. So, um, and, and that was pretty much the story then. I got a double turn and I shot off about three of his heroes, I think it was. And the double turn, I think we stopped counting the score after round two. And we just played for kill points and secondaries. Um, and I, I believe I tabled him at the bottom of in turn four, turn five. I, I think we called it. I can't quite remember. But I got the major victory and I got my secondary. Can't remember what my secondary was, but I got all my secondaries for the weekend, all six out of six, which was a real help. Um, round two, I played, um, I believe it was Aaron Campbell uh, was his name. Sorry if I've got your last name wrong, Aaron. Um, I believe he, he's a Melbourne lad. Uh, I think he, Aaron Graham, sorry, it was Aaron Graham. He's a Melbourne lad. He was running Sam Morgan's Daughters of Cain Army. He wasn't very experienced, um, but he knew enough about wargaming. I think he's possibly an, an older fantasy player. I'm not entirely sure. Um, we played Better Part of Valor, and this was a fucking ballsy move in a ballsy game and had me sweating bullets from the start of the game. Uh, Aaron went first. He moved his whole army up, um, and then he left a couple, just a couple of units stringed out to the back and goes, I'm burning all my objectives, I'm going to come for you, and I'm going to burn all yours. Um, he couldn't charge me, because he was too far away, uh, so he scored three points, and I just said to him, look, if I win the priority roll, I win the game. 
because I don't have to burn all my objectives. Um, and he was like, yep, well, let's see you win the priority roll. Um, so I was feeling pretty good about that, but then he also went first, so he had the plus one to roll. So what I did is most of his army was positioned in the left of the board and on my right side. So I just sort of dropped a bunch of stuff out of sky and moved all my army to the left side of the board where he only had 10 Doomfire Warlocks um, and left a couple of units behind, burnt the middle objective, burnt my right objective and castled as hard as I could on the left objective. And this way, if I won the roll off, I could burn the objective, I win the major victory, job's good. And if I lose the roll off, then he has to move his whole army through my Phoenix and a couple of Liberators and some Chaff units that I've chucked up in front of him to get to the left objective. So that's the point is I'm trying to survive um, because I was never going to beat him on kill points. There was no way I was going to burn all the objectives and then get him on kill points. He was just going to roll over me. And uh, he won the roll off and he swung his army around and it got very close in the bottom left corner. I believe I had, I think it was about 16 models to his 14. I had 10 skanks, long strikes nearby, a bunch of units sort of with one or two models in range. He had his heart renders, which I totally forgot about, which almost cost me the game. Um, some warlocks and a witch elf, I think. So I just out um, body counted him. Uh, we, we only got to the end of turn, um, well, we got to turn two. He had his turn. He couldn't get there. And then we just talked about what I was going to do. I was just said I was going to retreat and burn it so he'd be out of combat. And um, and we just called it there. And then we had like an hour between the next game, which was fantastic. Uh, so I got the major and my secondary. And then in my last game, I played uh, a wonderful man by the name of James Lynch, who I believe is possibly a Sydney guy. I'm not too sure. Sorry, James, if you're not. Uh, he's got a Blades of Corn army. He has an amazing army, Good and I place. believe it won one of the painting awards. Place, yeah. uh, I think it was third or second. Was it third place? Yeah, on the judges', yeah, judges choice, yeah. choice, was it, I think? Yeah, it was, it was fucking awesome. Um, the guy has... I'll look for it, and I'll see if I can find it towards the end of the show, but he does have a Twitter account which has far more followers than what I do. He doesn't need a shout-out from me. But fuck, the army looked good. <laughs> it looked so good. Uh, so we had a Gore Pilgrim's army. We were playing... Excuse me, we were playing Border War. Um, this game sort of went um, as expected, not to sound too pricky, but um, Border War, I always go down early, and then I normally win, start winning turn three, or I normally swing the objectives and start scoring big turn three, turn four, turn five. And here's a combat army. I have a ranged army. I can put up roadblocks. Um, border wall, we're 24 inches away, which is great for me. It's not one of the closer ones. So he went first, moved stuff forward. Um, I then shot off his blood first, I think, in the hero phase, and shot off his blood secreted banner in the in the shooting phase. I can't entirely remember. I just remember making a comment that, oh, fuck, he doesn't know the bravery of his units because no one ever kills his banner. Um, which is absolutely key. If you're playing corn, you've got to kill that banner. The only reason I killed the blood first was because it was right up in my face, um, and it was about sort of seven, eight inches away, I think, maybe maybe a little more. And had I not killed it, he could have wrecked my army um, because he could win the priority turn. Um, I can't remember if he did win the priority turn. I think we only got through about two turns. Um, I think he, no, I think he won the priority turn and then moved some stuff around again. I countercharged him with my birds, which just pissed people off all weekend. And then I just sort of... Um, shot off a significant part of his army. I got 
my Phoenix on some mystical terrain or Nexus and mystical terrain. So he was a the whole game. I think he was like a three up rerolling ones with a four up and a six up, and I think that almost just broke his spirit between the Phoenix tanking all the attacks that it could and my long straight shooting whatever it wanted. Uh, I believe we called the game it's top of turn three, maybe. I think I had three turns and James had two turns. I think I got a double turn from two to three and removed a lot of his models and James just said, we'll just call it there. Um, I was a little worried that I gave him a pretty shitty experience because like, when I saw the matchup, I was thinking this is great for, for my sort of army. Um, but James said he, he enjoyed it um, and he didn't dock me any sports, so that was... That was cool, but no, that was um, that was another big win, and a um, and a secondary achieved as well. Uh, so that was my day one. I was three major wins and three secondaries, so I was feeling pretty pretty good at the end of day one. Uh, Lee, do you want to jump into your games, mate? Uh, yeah. So I just burned through mine quite quickly. So uh, the first game was against uh, Dion and his uh, Deepkin. Um, I think. I say the the key things here for for me was that um, uh, the roll range scale scape feature was another minus to hit spell, so all I did is was go first and camp dryads on as many of the objectives as I could, so the left and the right. Uh, teleported one hero, run one hero, so I'd score in the first turn and hopefully score in the second turn, and then move. Um, Alerial across, so I knew that the eels that he had off the table would come on and go for her, and then I'd be able to tag them with the big group of dryads. Um, I brought the eel, my eels on from in the first turn because he'd left Voltanus just open, so uh, completed the, the nine inch charge, which with a really a six inch charge with a reroll, and left Voltaris on one one wound, but that seemed to do enough damage for later. And then in Dion's turn, he came on, took a Lariel off in the, in one turn with all those eels, but the eels then just got stuck, and they were just trying to grind through um, thirty dryads that were having not having to take battle shock tests and were minus two to hit, and he wasn't on the charge anymore. So I just ticked over points. Um, he he gradually took the other objective back, but by then I was just too far ahead. So. It was it was a good game, but I f- you feel kind of bad in those because you're just grinding out of win, um, because they, you know, everything he was hitting was minus two, even when he got into the heroes, they were minus two uh, to hit and stuff like that. So, uh, so yeah, so good game to start with. Went the full turn, uh, went four turns, and I think I killed for those who are interested two hundred and seventy points, which is quite good for me. Yeah, well done. Um, it's like half your kill points right there. Proud yeah. of you, man. Uh, thank you. Uh, it's so you got nine, 900 points and damage units, and you got 270 kill points. Yeah, yeah good. it was good. Yep, yep, targeted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't even... Uh, the Dryads were in combat with the six eels for like the entirety of the game and still had one left at the end. But hey, uh, but the, yeah, I, got, I was quite up on points. Uh the second game um, was against uh, uh, his name's gone, uh, but it was a Nurgle list, and um, it was in a uh, better place of valor. And when he again, the the biggest thing to come out of this was during setup. Um, even though I'm a two drop army, if people go longer, I'll just 
space out my drops just to see where people are going to go. And in better place of valor, the eels are better off starting on the 15 inch line because with their movement, they get a shorter charge than just deep striking. So I kept them till my last drop and I'd noticed that he'd put 40 of his marauders just outside of um, his hero. So he wouldn't have been able to um, save them from battle shock. So I pushed the eels on that corner that made him drop his uh, flying units, the Nurgle bug things, um, that way. Uh, which I don't think, uh, which means they were out of range for the buff because I think he was going to send them forward. And then I boxed in the rest of his units with the trees. And again, it was just a grind. I pushed the eels up. They took off, um, I think, 30-odd of the Marauders in the first turn. And then slowly they got taken off by his units, but the damage had been done on that side. And then on the opposite side, I pushed the 30 Dryads into his other Marauders in a later turn and then was able to burn one of my objectives, one of his objectives. And then going into turn three, knew that because of the way that he was pushed, I'd be able to win the game just on points. And in that one, I killed 40 Marauders. I don't know how many points that is. Sweet fuck all. Um, yep. Yeah, so. 40, 200 <laughs> points, mate. 200 points. So I killed 200 points in that game, but uh, won it. So 100, 100 under average, you're you going all right? Yeah, yeah. So burn along, but again, uh, <laughs> won it, on, uh, but had a decent um, gap on objective play, uh, on the actual points on the scenario. So that worked, that worked quite well. Uh, and in game three, I was played Pete with his uh, Gloom Sprite. And um, that was quite cool. I, I didn't realize. Um, Pete was he won the wooden spoon the year before, but yeah, at this stage I've got both. Uh, we we must have both had major wins and both got our secondaries, so I didn't quite realise that Pete was so into the narrative until halfway through the game when he's telling you what's going to happen, but he's explaining the narrative of the spell that he's going to do or the reason why his units can fly is because of this narrative thing. But he was really fun to play, and uh, those. Uh, squig coppers, the ones with the nine on the pounders. Man, they can do a lot of damage. A lot of damage. Did you have yeah, to make them not charge you, Lee? Stop them from charging, yeah. that's how you beat them. So, yeah. Uh, that was fine. So, uh, all I did was here was um, just spread my attacks and then um, send. I'd summon some tree lord. Uh, no, what did I summon? Uh, some Colonel Hunters with swords and just push them through the middle. So they churn through the grots that were holding his home objective. And I sent the eels into another grot on the other objective. So just scoring points while denying him the ability to score. Um, and I think in this one, I killed 40 grots. That sounds about 200, right. 260 that? points. <laughs> Again, fuck all. Yep. So 260 points. And I lost the Lariel in this game as well. But... Again, I was up by about 10 objective points. So you can see a theme here. The whole idea is to hold objectives and score. And on the hero ones, it's just to stop uh, the opposition scoring while you they try and grind you out. And then if you get chance, send in the eels to take something out that needs to go. And that seemed to be working quite well because by the end of, um, end of game three, I had uh, three major wins, all three objectives, and I think about 900 kill points. <clears throat> Go, Lee. Uh... <laughs> Murderer. 
Fuck. Uh, yeah. I think I only ended up a bent, uh, uh, with, I think I was the third least kill points for the Spo- tournament. Spoiler alert. I think you're about to listen to the second least it was, kill it points was for the tournament. Then now. Who was um, the who was 11 least <laughs> kill points? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Fuck. Yeah. Oh. Like, so the, the list is designed not to, like, to kill a lot, and it's supposed to win by movement and denial. It just, Means yeah. that it's not. I the did heal eels. Don't kill a lot. Yeah, see that's. It depends how you use eels, though. The eels <laughs> well, are there. I don't know you... how the fuck you're using them, but <laughs> mainly to way. kill. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, yeah. It's like I say, you just send them into one thing to kill that, and then they normally get swallowed up. And then what do they do? Just yes. set their thumbs up their ass and sort of reset again and die. <laughs> because yeah, they they yeah, switch stuff the on the charge. They, they come in and arena two damage yeah. on charge. Oh, and the lightning yeah. attacks that do mortal wounds. Yeah. So the th- in the say the third, well, the, the lightning or the zapping attack is like one off, and it's you really need to use that to clear the last model or two away to see if you can then start charging and moving again. So in the first game, they took off Voltanus, and then they surrounded the second, uh, the middle objective, so that none of his heroes could get into score, so they weren't killing anything. But they just—it meant that he couldn't get any models there to score. And then my soul scryer was running each turn with a command point to come up. And then on the fourth turn, he he'd managed to score that objective. So they were winning the game, but just not by killing anything. They were just stopping people scoring. Yeah. Uh, the third game, uh, they they went into the um, the big unit of um, gits, and that just held them up. But it, they thinned out enough numbers that he didn't score the objective on one turn, and that was their job, not to carry on. He just they made sure that he didn't sounds, score for one turn, and then they got grounded in. Sounds so like you're making a lot of excuses, bro. Jumped up a few more points. Oh no, I've got these are the actual good ones. You wait until we get to day two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you, you know, you boys have played me enough to know that that's how it plays. The idea is to try and score points, not necessarily kill stuff. I don't think well, I've like the last tournaments last year. I definitely uh, until when we switched away from kill points as a as a tiebreaker. Suddenly, I started going up the rankings. Yeah, yeah, that's you, yeah. you're not wrong there. So three, just to summarise, three major wins and three secondaries. Is that correct? Yeah, and about eight eight strokes. Yeah, yeah, eight strokes is quite correct. <laughs> yeah. Poor Lee. Um, Seth, you want to kick off, mate? Yeah, bro. Um, game one, I played Lucky. Uh, Lucky, I can't pronounce his last name. Lucky Mulch Kiki. Uh, his Twitter handle. Yeah. Um, that dude is amazing. He played Dart as a Cane, but it was a Calibron list, and it was um, two, what are they called, Cauldrons, um, ten Dark Riders, a.k.a. Doomfire Warlocks, but they were the wrong models. So um, then he had a bunch of MSU units of Witch Elves, and he had um, an Assassin in there. And he had some uh, canary heart renders, I think, um, sort of mixed, and obviously hag, and um, maybe two hags. I'm not quite sure. Anyway, so um, both Lockie and I were 
real fucked up um, on Saturday morning. Um, he probably worse than me, but um, both pretty went pretty hard the night before and had a real good time and paid for it uh, first thing in the morning. I think I was doing pretty well in this game. I don't remember too much of it because I was, like I said, real fucked up, but I think I was doing pretty well until turn three happened. And then, yeah, that took my shit off the board. And Lockie won the game, and he asked very politely if he could excuse himself, and he went and vomited in the toilet for about 30 minutes. Um, in that game, I killed an assassin, and I think that was it. I killed the assassin with my fungoid cave shaman, I believe. And I got my secondary, so uh, major loss for me in that one. Got my secondary objective. Uh, game two, um, I played a gentleman. I'm not sure if I want to say his name or not. Um, what do you, oh, what do you boys reckon? Yeah, old mate. I played old mate because I don't want to shame. Yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to. Sh- I don't want to shame anyone personally. Yeah, but just... um, I'd like to talk about the game and what happened in it. But I don't want to be. I don't. You know. Want to speak negatively about anyone, but um, <laughs> yeah. So I played a gent by the name of Michael O'Brien, and he played a death army. This was better part of Valor. He played a death army, um, Legion of Night, and he used a death march battalion, which I didn't have any idea what it was. I've never played it before. Um. I don't think he really knew much about it either. So uh, I do remember this game a, a bit more than, than the first one. So <laughs> we um, we rocked up. I took Liam's advice from the day before, and I deployed my skier strand on the board um, so I could sort of deny space and keep him away from my objectives. Because um, I knew when well, he was explaining to me what his battalion did, I knew that he could move quite quickly across the board, even with his four-inch move skeletons. So I was a bit f- afraid that he was gonna that he was gonna come across the border real quick. Um, he put forty skeletons on his right objective, my left one. Forty skeletons on his center objective, and then ten skeletons and his black knights. Are they black knights in that battalion? Yeah, 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 bro. Yeah, um, they're black knights. Yeah, and then a couple characters on my right objective. So he gave me turn one for some reason. Not quite sure why. Well, because he's probably not as experienced as as he you know would like to be. So what I did was got my cogs up, cast Hand of Gork on twenty grots, put them nine away from his ten skeletons, made my seven inch charge. Didn't give a shit about what happened. In the combat, I couldn't care less as long as he didn't kill all of my grots. He didn't. Um, he killed like, I killed like fucking two or three skeletons and he killed like two or three grots. Like it was a real fucking wet noodle fight. Um, but that's the point. Like I knew that was going to happen. Um, as soon as my turn was over, I burned the objective on his side of the board. So then I knew that he had to come across. Um, and fight me, but I was going to meet him in the middle of the table and I was going to prevent him from getting to my objectives. Um, so I, pre- I felt pretty confident at that point that I was going to win the game uh, at you know at the end of my turn one. Uh, his turn one happened, 
he sort of moved his Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon forward and moved um, his Black Knights forward and, like, parked everything else. He didn't move the skeletons, the 82 units of 40 skeletons he had. He just sat them on his objectives, and I was like, sweet, man, like, because I'm really scared of those units. Um, the Vampire Lord was pretty gross with, um, he had uh, Ignax's scales, so it was, like, three up save, six up death save, four up mortal wound save after that and like my army depends on mortal wounds so like it was hopeless for me to kill that guy i tried really hard actually it didn't happen um my book was playing really slow um because he didn't really know his rules very well and i was having to help him out a little bit in his book um but we finished turn two and there was sort of a scrap on my center objective that he would have controlled. I looked at the clock and I said, bro, we got about 17 minutes left. You should burn this objective that you're holding right now. I was just trying to be a good sport, man. Um, and he said, no, no, we got enough time to play turn three. Let's go. And I said, hey, man, whatever you want to do. So. Um, we rolled priority. He won priority for turn three. He started his turn. He was going through his hero phase. It took quite a while and his movement phase. And then we had about two minutes left. And I told him that he should end his turn now and burn the objective that I'm holding and win the game on a minor victory because yeah. he had more kill points than me. Uh, he insisted that he could finish his turn. And that way I could finish my turn too at that point in two minutes. Um, I, he was, don't think he quite knew what he was doing. So two minutes passed. And then uh, one of the TOs walked by and told him to put his dice down that the game was over. Uh, he didn't quite believe that that was true. True. He asked if he could finish his turn. The TO said, no, put your dice down. The game's over. So at that point I looked at him and I said, bro, um, you should have listened to me because now the game's over and I win. Um, whereas if he would have listened, he would he would have at least got a minor victory. And if he would have burned all of his objectives instead of just that one, he would have got a major victory. Um, he didn't, and he paid a consequence, I guess, for for not listening. Um, and he threw sort of a tantrum about how the game turned out, and that it was my fault that I didn't explain to him well enough what was happening, and. It was a bit over the top. I think, Sean, you at that point, you were done with your game and yeah. you had come by and, and saw what was happening. Yeah, so yeah. It, I was I sort of couldn't believe what was going on because it was like he, he was blaming me that he lost. And he was sort of like trying to make me feel guilty that I didn't explain to him well enough how to beat me. But like at the end of the day, this it's a tournament and it's a competitive environment. And as nice as I was to him to try to give him advice and pointers and stuff. Um, I still wanted to win. At the end of the day, I wanted to win the game, and I did. So, I mean, I was pretty pleased at the end, but um, it's sort of – it was a real strange experience. I never um, – I never experienced anything like that at a tournament from my opponent. Like, it was really weird. And come to find out, like, I think he had some other things going on. He didn't wound up not finishing the tournament um, because he had some some stuff going on. And, you know, that's neither here nor there, but it's probably why he acted the way he acted, um, which was. Yeah, from what I heard, he had some <clears throat> personal life going on and 
um, I don't know, he probably didn't put his best foot forward. And if he could take it back, I mean, I'm I'm sure he would, and I'm sure he doesn't um, conduct his, himself in such a way at um at every tournament he goes to. But it was almost like watching a kid have a tantrum, to be honest. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> at the end, which was um. I mean, because I came over because I finished. Time was not an issue in any of my games. I finished all my games probably. I think the closest game I had went twenty minutes um, before the round finished, so we had an extra twenty minutes. Um, so I came and found you after my game and was like, "Hey, let's go have a smoke. Let's go have a chat." Um, and I sort of just walked into all this drama going on. But I thought you did quite well. I thought you composed yourself. Um, there was a TO nearby, who I believe sort of got involved or i don't know if they were requested or, or what happened i think she she sort um, of because i was um, like fuck that noise I'll, I'll leave you guys to it but yeah it was Jimmer, wasn't it yeah yeah she came over and sort of well she was walking by i think um, and she overheard what was going on and she sort of like lingered um to make sure that nothing yeah. escalated and yeah when oh it's nothing like that there was nothing no no no, no. Like, well the reason i was able to keep my cool and like and, and the reason i was able to keep my cool is because with all of like the ruckus he was causing he never once was like confrontational towards me directly like you know he wasn't rude to me he didn't he didn't use any foul language to you know directed at me he didn't call me any names or do anything like that he just was like yeah really upset that he didn't win the game when he probably should have but he yeah. just you know like he didn't listen to what i was trying to say to him and then that was my fault and ah it was a big mess but anyway on to game three uh, I, I don't know like, I mean, just just to recap it, like I've played you, yeah. and of course I have a bias because I'm a mate, and I don't know this guy from Bar of Soap, but um, sort of I guess going ahead, spoilers in the event, Seth actually got second best sport in the event, um, so I think that sort of says more about your character um, than anything else. You weren't looking to pull a fast one, or you didn't sort of gotcha this guy into a win or anything of the sort. So um, I'll just leave that as the last comment about that topic right there. Yeah, game three. Yeah, right? game three. I played. Um... Uh, Pat, uh, I think his full name is uh, Pasquale, and um, I think he was sort of nearby and, and overheard everything that was going on. So I got to the table and I was like, look, bro, I just had the worst experience. I'm not having a great day. Like, let's just have a good game. And Pat was like, really awesome. Uh, he got my second best sports folk because he was just, like really fun to play. He was playing a mixed Skaven list and it had. It was really cool, like Thanquil and Bone Ripper, um, some Storm Fiends, and they were all loaded out from Mortal Wounds. Um, Plague Furnace, is that the right model? This the thing that can summon. It has a big like um, freaking uh, screaming. screaming yes, bells yeah, the one, the one that can bro. summon the Vermin Lord Corruptor. Um, yeah, and he had a warp fire, warp lightning cannon, and shooty thing, um, and like. 7,000 clan rats and some little support characters. <clears throat> that was Border War. Um, he gave me first turn because he had like a... No, I, I took first turn because he had like a thousand drops and I had eight. Um, I was sort of scared of him summoning a, a Vermin Lord, so I jumped on to the Screaming Bell and um, subsequently the, the Lightning Cannon um, on turn one, and I killed them both with my big skitter strands. Turn one, um, moved all of my stuff into position to um, to score points because I knew that like 
I couldn't get really across the board. And I knew that he could like outlast me with all his clan rats. So <clears throat> my goal was to like prevent him from summoning more stuff. Um, block off with board control because he had 40 of his clan rats underground. Block off with board control so he couldn't really bring them up on the points. And um, just sort of harass him enough to keep him away from the objective so I could score. Because I think at this point... Um, I was sobering up a bit and I was sort of figuring out how my army played and how it worked. And there's no real hammer in the army. It's just a bunch of harassment units. So the Skitter Strand really did well in this game. They killed those two big um, units and then they got killed in turn by the clan rats, but they kept the clan rats from coming towards the bulk of my army and scoring points on objectives, which is exactly what I wanted them to do. Um, I did cast. Something cool happened in my turn one. I cast Hand of Gork on my Scuttle Boss, and I was going to fling him into um, Thankful and try to mortal wound him off the board straight away on turn one. Um, however, I failed my seven-inch rerollable charge twice, um, so he was just like a sitting duck right in front of Thankful and the three Storm Fiends. Um, so when Pat had his turn, he just like, absolutely annihilated that dude with mortal wounds from the storm fiends i think they did 17 mortal wounds to my six wound character uh, which was pretty bru uh, brutal um as the game went on his clan rats like were pretty good they um chewed through like basically my entire army um thankful didn't do too much because he got chaffed up pretty hard um and i think it was turn three pat realized that like i was too far out ahead and he, because he, I don't think he'd scored any points, and I scored. Well, he scored the the points for you know the ones in his object in his um territory, the objective in his deployment zone, but I scored everything else for the entire game. And he's like, "Look, man, we got like thirty minutes left, not enough time to play enough game for me to catch up." So good game. And he shook my hand, and uh, and that was it for my day one. So I I think I got my objective in that game too. So I was two wins, two major wins, one major loss, two objectives at the end of day one. As I was gonna say, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more Skaven now, though, aren't we? So, <laughs> yeah, um, Pat, yeah. Pat was yeah. a good player. Like he told me, he'd only been playing war games for two years. At like in it took like no, nothing before that. Two years ago, he started war games. And he started with forty k, and on the one year anniversary of him playing forty k, he went from Sydney to LVO and he came seventh at the 40 K friendly tournament, which is still like 60 plus people. Um, so the dude like knows how to play games. Um, and uh, I think he, he told me that he told me that um, the army that he was playing was completely gifted to him by his friends. So it was just like, you know, Joe Blow has 40 clan rats. He doesn't want any more. Do you want them? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll take them. And so he's like collected his army, just some hodgepodge, like bullshit to play um, just so he can sort of play play games and have a good time. And like it really was a, I don't know, someone would shred it to, to, to bits, but I think his list was pretty decent. Like it had a bunch of scary stuff and it had a bunch of bodies and um, it's only going to get better now. So good luck, Pat. Hope you do well going forward with this release. Yeah, absolutely. His army will will improve. That's that's for sure. So we're all feeling 
pretty knackered after playing three games in fucking like 42 degree heat or whatever it was at CanCon. Oh man, it was so hot that day. Uh, yeah, it was very hot. Very, very hot. Uh, so we didn't do a whole lot that night, did we? We just sort of came back to, we went back to the Caratel and we got some pizza with the other lads who were around, um, just chilled out and talked some shit and had a pretty early, early steady night, didn't we, lads? Which um, I've been told is. is I, I had a few drinks. The wrong thing um, but I was in bed by 11, I think. Like, I still had a hangover on Sunday, but not as bad as normal. Oh, yeah. I I was the same. I had a handful of drinks, but it was nothing to write home about. It was definitely no moose heads. So, um, mistakes were made, I guess, would say. <coughs> uh, so, I put it out there to the public on Twitter and Facebook. Did anyone have any questions for the New Zealand team going over to CanCon? Um, sort of more New Zealand specific. Um, regarding sort of our experiences at CanCon and anything of the sort. And we got actually a lot of questions. We got a lot of trolling, but we also got a lot of questions. So we're going to cover off some of the questions now. Um, so on Twitter first, Patrick, if Legions of Nagash didn't exist and just straight do a better job, would Nighthorn be competitive? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that Nighthorn's a good yeah. army. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've only played Night yeah, Haunted Wise, yeah. and they seem to work fine, in all honesty. It's just, you're taking, like, the best of a Night Haunt army and chucking it into a Legions to make it even better. I guess it's just like doing an old mixed destruction where you'd have, like, three foot under Tuss and a Stonehorn and some Grots, but except it can all fall under the Legions and the Gash. So, yeah, I think Night Haunt's uh, pretty good. I, I think Night Haunt, Night Haunt just has the, like, the movement that's just great. Um, so yeah, I think it'd be really strong. Yeah. Um, Randy said, "Did you have a good time?" Loved it, Randy. Great time. Uh, I didn't have any. Yeah, Randy. Right. Randy a is great a time fucking Bradley. legend. Randy's amazing. Yes, blue yeah. blue tingles. <laughs> Randy single handedly got about fucking forty seven of the fifty people at the oh, bar. Yeah, he, he got fucked up, hammered, um, and was. And he didn't like he didn't buy the RTDs. Like he went out and bought all the individual mixers for the drinks, mixed them, and then was pouring them down people's throats. Yeah, I sort of saw him from afar before I knew who he was, and he was just like sitting in the corner making this cocktail of blue shit, and then sort of just handing out drinks to everyone that walked past him. So, um, well, he's like as big as you, but he's brown and charismatic. So, like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good, good summary. And he says, was not getting loose at Mooses worth it? Uh, the answer is no. The answer is no, Randy. It was not, uh, it was not worth it. Um, oh, we, we, talk- yeah, we, we may have messed oh, up. Sorry, I reckon the, logic, yeah. go. the logic is, if you go out, you have a good time, and you fuck up yeah. on Sunday, you got an excuse. Right? But if you go out and have a good time, and you do... <laughs> And you do well. I drink every then, Saturday you know, night. I mean, I wanted to do well, and that definitely was the main factor of me not going out on Saturday. Um, but I was just fucking exhausted as well. Like I was just yeah. naked. Come Saturday after sleeping like five hours a night and thirty degree heat it was just crap. Uh, all right. So, if there's any young guys that want to go to KingCon <laughs> next year and not um. <laughs> Complain about their sore feet. Hit me up. <laughs> I, I was just gonna. I'm just, I'm just gonna say I'm an old bastard, so that's my excuse. And uh, I'm yeah, down for yours. four dollar drinks. So no, it will definitely be on the agenda next year, bro. It's um, it's it's definitely gonna happen. 
James McPherson said, did James McPherson disrespe- disrespect the flag by refusing to wear a Team NZ shirt? And what did you think of his alternate alternative fashion choices? I thought James was dressed quite well because he had um like a just a short sleeve shirt on. I think one or two days that I saw him. I can't remember. It was all a fucking blur to be honest. Um, he had a pretty sweet like kind of Hawaiian type button down short sleeve shirt on one night. I can't yeah, remember it was, it was a pretty sweet shirt though. Seemed to be working for him, and I definitely wearing lighter clothing was um was definitely a good good call on his part. Uh, generic Gorp Pilgrims, who is packed, um, I believe, on a scale of one to zero. How um, <laughs> awed were you by a visit to our one to zero capital? Uh, didn't yeah. see, yeah, didn't like, didn't really see much of Canberra. To be honest, we got there, we went to an Audi, we went to a Bunnings, and then we. Went to the Bottolo one night at like on that was Friday that was pretty much Thursday it when I was fucking half cap. Yeah, and then I went to the CanCon venue and like the Mac is next to the CanCon venue, and that was about it. All I know is that everything Lee, in Canberra seems uh, to be about ten to fifteen oh, minutes apart. So. Lee ate the best part. Get out of here! Canberra, I was, I was, I was even with you back in the part. fucking oh, country. Oh, it was the best part in Canberra. It said so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we had we had it with a knife and fork. Didn't we? <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was a very sophisticated <laughs> meal for a very sophisticated trip. There's only photo and, evidence uh, of one. Seth, you I, you didn't, I didn't have a choice. I couldn't pick different. it. I tried, but I can't eat the tin that it's baked in. So. Yeah, I, I died of heat stroke while I was sitting in the car, uh, like a naughty child. So that was that was happened. Um, Aiden. Adam Nicol, would you bother even rating the Australian meta when a random assortment of New Zealand players were able to easily land? That's, I'm not quite sure who he's throwing shade team. at in that comment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a bit difficult. Uh, the whole of Australia. What? Well, all yeah. of us play in Masters. Yeah, that's what I would say. Right? Like, it's not um, like we're a bunch of shit rocks, so. Yeah. Yeah, but we're all, like, we're a smaller country. Uh, smaller scene, so maybe we're all semi-big fish in a small pond. I'm, I think I'm it's the opposite, sure. isn't it? With a 200-player um, field I mean, there, I played, I like played against... we, you had at, like pure hobbyists all the way through to competitive players, so it, it's hard to, to rate yeah. a, a whole scene off of just one tournament. Uh, but the, like, there was bits that we talked about how they, uh, the, there was a lot more alpha strike attack list than we were expecting or that we see here. So that that was one thing. Yeah, yeah. There were very. It was very aggro like combat. Turn one, turn two, <laughs> is what I took away from the Australian <laughs> meta. Um, I didn't play any slouches. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Pretty much. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Fuck, <this> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but no, the Australian meta was was all good. I mean, I lost a couple of games, so. Yeah, I, it's not like any of us went over. I don't know if you guys would have played. If you guys would have played my draw, I no. think that you probably would have gone six and Um No offense to the guys I it's, played, it's, but it's, yeah, it's hard to say. Hard it's to it's, say, it's more the fact. No, I think it's more interesting that yeah. like for for one of the things we wanted to see going over there was like how our like because we we tend to be in the top half of the draw here, so we wanted to see if that would translate into a a, a bigger tournament and it, with. 
with the Australian scene. And I think it's that we come away knowing yeah. that, like, if we do take competitive lists, we can be competitive over I there as that... well. <clears throat> no, I think that um, yeah, I mean, the I, variety I of the... armies oh, sorry, and builds that you you could potentially run into in, in an event that large sort of like really muddies the competitive meta right because i played i played six i played six armies that i'd never played yeah, before yeah. in my life oh, like, fuck, yeah. <clears throat> i played calibron have you ever run calibron before tubs yeah bro, i've played it against me yeah only in like the doubles thing with the marathi swap if you remember that <laughs> it's not quite as broken. i was gonna say only in friendly games because it's not a crutch yeah <laughs> yeah so i played calibron right and and then I played Death March, which I don't think anyone's played since like 1987. And then I played Mick Skaven, and there's only one Mick Skaven player in the whole country here. Then Gloomspite, which is not seen yet, at least. And then Spider Fang, Gloomspite. Obviously, I'm the only one in the country playing that at the moment. Um, and then Swift Talk Agents. Like, who, who the <laughs> fuck? What the fuck are those? You know, like six, six armies that I've never even heard of before. Most of them, so. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, I the two players I lost to finished both top fifteen at the event. Um, one of them's a Masters player, um, so I mean, it wasn't overwhelmingly um, hard in the games, or was I outclassed or anything like that. But it was, I, I would say, it's probably somewhat comparable. I, again, it's a small sample size. I played six games. Um, most of my opponents finish relatively high, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll ha- all we have to do is play play more games against Australians, get to more Australian events, have some of them come to us. Yeah, I think. I, yeah. yeah. Um, small, no, no, we're agreeing with you. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I played eight games over the weekend, uh, including the two warm-ups, and I won six of the eight. Is he swinging uh, it about? It sounds like he's swinging it about. I can hear it slapping his legs. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm trying to move on. And you here we go. Fucking oh, no, no, no. Everyone prepare. Anyway. It's coming across. Yeah. Spe- speaking of leaving it alone, Smorgan says, "Kyota, Kyota Tato, Smorgan, how many lads will make the trip next year? Um, more. I'd say probably I'd be double, maybe ten guys. Yeah, I put the over under at a dozen. Yeah." What's the what's the palmy? I, I highly doubt like Jesse GC goes, but Cam team? will probably go. A Sif can go again, and I'm for sure going. Yeah. Unless yeah. something happens. Yeah, it'll it'll yeah. be the three of us probably. <clears throat> yeah, so that's three of you lads. I reckon we can wrangle maybe a handful more from Wellington. So yeah, actually probably probably a dozen is about right. This- Sif. Um assuming we can all get tickets in, in time. Because they're all pretty slick. Yeah, I think there's a lot like, more oh, interest. Yeah. I think, and yeah. We looked like we were at about eight to ten for Sydney, but I think there's now been like a bit after chatting to people, it's a bit more of a refocus that people are going to push for CanCon instead. So, and it, yeah, I think it's really tough with them being so close together, just three months apart. Yeah. So. Yeah, we we did have prior to CanCon, we did have a, a Sydney GT chat group looking to. Go, which was about seven or eight of us, but then um, we came back from CanCon just buzzing about how it was awesome, and I think that sort of maybe persuaded people to move towards CanCon 
And CanCon is obviously further away from Sydney GT. Um, as in, you know, it's like 12 months as opposed to sort of eight months away um, from now. So that gives people more time to actually get their shit sorted. So I'd say there's more. Uh, Sam also goes on to say, did the combat gauge to get sports vote strategy work? Uh, so I gave out combat gauges, notorious combat gauges to all my opponents. Uh, I got a sports vote, so maybe, or maybe I'm just a nice guy. Um, did AOS shorts wave at you guys from the front of the plane on the return plane? <laughs> um, we were on different planes because people in a shitty city. Uh, and Sam's last question, how would you refer to your Stormcast uh, team build? Um, I guess Bates is pew pew list. Right. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't. so i wouldn't go around um hayden says that custom stop goomboss to check the flask uh of aussies stuck in his stupid face bush (laughs) yeah just ignore it I misread it. I assumed it was regarding that. He's trying to think of a good name for his TM build, or he's distracted. Yeah. No, no, not at all. all. Uh, Jonathan Enzor said, did your loaded dice works? And did the Aussies notice? Um, Don't know who that's addressed to. I definitely don't have any loaded dice. Yeah, we'll we'll say Fraser because he's not here. Yeah, and he won the most games, right? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, and he didn't he, get all the sports votes, so yeah, probably, someone did yeah, notice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dwellers below said, "How did I manage to lose Smorgan?" Um, Nick, you know that's that's not actually happened. Um, Sam can't count, and I won the game. Uh, Jesse Perkins said, "Get some shit in about your event, bro. I'd be keen to make the trip across the, the Dutch if you guys can get a solid sized event." Uh, so, yeah, we're running oh, yeah. Notorious GT, me and Sean, uh, in May at Wellington on the 25th and 26th of May. So last weekend of May, um, hoping to make it sort of a gt size event, sort of 50 players or more. Uh, it's at a cozy club, which has like a bar and food on site. There's a pub quiz, uh, big painting competition, uh, narrative achievements, all that sort of shit. Um, we will plug it at a different time, but the time stake, I'm just wanting to go through this. But Jesse, I'll get in touch with you and we can go from there. I believe Dan's also looking at running an Auckland GT. September, in, I think. Yeah, yeah, uh, later in the year. September, I think he was talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so the idea is that we'll have, because um, at the moment in New Zealand, we don't have like a big CanCon event. Like we don't have one event that sort of everyone comes to like a like a pilgrimage of some sort um, to play at. So. The idea is that we're going to have Notorious and then we're going to have Dan's event, Auckland GT, and they're going to be roughly six months apart. So there's two big events um, that people can sort of make the trip to. Um, going over to Facebook questions, Paul asked, how do we transport our models without getting them smashed? Uh, we spoke about that at the start, so we covered that off. Uh, Reagan asked, what was the atmosphere like compared with the scene here? And what did you notice? there that is missing from our scene that could be implemented here i think uh maybe, uh, maybe it was uh, oh, go on. Jump on that. yeah okay i think maybe it was the the size of the you know the people there the amount of people there but like the scene was like way younger than what i'm used to seeing anywhere else like even in the states and in new zealand like there was like 
dudes in their early twenties that were like fit as shit. Yeah. Outside of Sean, we don't have that here. Like, you know, there's like so many, there's like so many muscle shirts there and like dudes with like big deltoids and stuff. It was pretty crazy. I'm the fit. I'm the fat Sean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rip Sean. Um, no, you're right. There was definitely a lot younger. Um, and people always seemed to be, um, or maybe it was just the people I spoke to, like fucking way more engaging and just way more into it than what I've experienced sort of locally. Um, people were very, very social in Australia and very happy to talk to you. Um, but again, it was 200 people. I didn't speak to all 200 people. I spoke to, fuck, I don't know, heaps of people, 50 people or so. And everyone was absolutely awesome. So I think a lot yeah, of that um, negative side yeah, of yeah. that from our side comes from I think everyone just we're tired. We see each other all the time. We're sort of tired of I seeing each King, other, you know? Sorry, King. Yeah, but I think CanCon had like such a big build up with like the coverage on YouTube, coverage of podcasts, um, multiple people getting behind it that people were just so excited to be there. And like everyone was just fucking positive, except maybe old mate. Um, there was just such a buzz at the at the you know um, at the event, even though it was fucking like forty five degrees or whatever it was. Everyone was just so into it, and like come rain or shine, people were just so happy to be there, so happy to see mates, and like relieved that it's actually finally going, and we're not talking about it anymore. We're actually doing it. Everyone was just that, really yeah. Excited. I suppose as well, it's like it was as is what I saw to answer Regan's question. It was as friendly as our scene which is good. Um, it wasn't super cutthroat there, but with that number of players, there was so much variety of armies and so much good hobby. I haven't seen that much great hobby. We've got some good painters here, but there was a lot of good painters there and a lot of beautiful armies. So that was really cool to see. It's sort of like Mecca, wasn't it? You know, like everyone made the pilgrimage and they're there and everyone just sort of put all the bullshit aside. And they were, everyone was really cool with each other. I think that's probably my favorite part of it. Uh, and yeah, and they were really cool with us. Everyone came up to chat to us. It was like, uh, yeah, no, it was really good. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Totally agree. Everyone had time for us, which was amazing. Um, everyone had time for us. Um, Jono says, how much did you miss Jono? That much. <laughs> Uh, Dan Street oh, sent about 47 quick questions uh, like a gent. Why didn't we go for the gent? I didn't know there was one. Because we're cheap. If we, if I knew there was one, I would have uh, Next. <laughs> How many fruit... No, quick fire. How many fruit tingles do you a think dozen. pubs could uh, do next nine. year and stay upright? No. Uh, views on Australia versus New Zealand playstyle at top tables. Yeah, I didn't make it. Sorry, were you on table three at any point? I was briefly, but um, <laughs> probably by probably answer, by answer the And when kill points come back into it, never again. Um, uh, that's a lot okay. quicker. They play quick um, uh, on the ta- ta- on the top tables. Very, very like a lot quicker than we we have a few players that play quick, but they they seem that that they you could tell that they want. As in, like, their movements are quick, or their turns take 10 minutes, or their army uh, is just. The, the like, game in your is. Face, I, I find that the grow. game is expected to be over within the first three turns, which 
Um, so the game, the the strategy and the plans and the, and the movement and everything is over a quick, uh, trying to get that quick victory. I don't know if that's because um, playing in a big tournament, you don't want to be playing the whole time, or if that's just a, a thing of certain builds that they were going for being a more combat orientated list that were being built. Yeah, I would agree with that. It wasn't um, games weren't expected to get into turn four or five and then be decided then. Um, all my games were decided by, I think, turn three or two. Um, so, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, points on five points for best opponent vote versus four for a secondary. So soft scores. I don't think... Five points for best opponent fours. Secondaries, I think, were too, too uh, heavily weighted them. in my mind. But I'm the one that got... Three out of six. Yeah, it was like... I think you had to some have of, them... Some... Yeah, I think you had to have them weighted... Such I think some of them were really difficult for some army builds to achieve, though, yeah, sure. you know? Especially when you run to the end, you get in game five and six, and you got, like, two and one to choose from, like... Yeah, I, I, I... Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think the secondaries were very good. Um, in, all, in all honesty, I thought the secondaries were pretty... Um, NAF, there was three or four pretty obvious ones that were really easy, and then there was a bunch of squeaky bum ones. Um, but it's like, yeah. uh, I'd say, say that you there was no way that I was going to achieve all five or uh, all six in the tournament. The counter argument is that you could build your list so that you could try to, but they were, yeah, uh, a lot more uh, difficult to achieve than the, the actual GW ones, which we've used before. Another another way to look at it is one sec. Another way yeah. to look at it is um, so you could get a max of um, twenty points for painting, but only five points for sports votes. You know what I mean? I think it should maybe. You know, I I don't think you you you're never going to win on this though. Uh, are you? You, got more, you got more for sports because at the end of the game when you had the chick. Yeah, but so outside of maybe what four people out of two hundred, everyone got thirty. No, oh maybe yeah, twenty three. I've seen is like twenty eight, maybe. So, but it's all yeah. Coming in oh, high. Oh, mate, got twenty three. Um, oh, I got fifteen, maybe. Yeah, maybe probably would have been, been a drop. You guys are very good so at quick fucking fire. bad at quick uh, fire questions. <laughs> We're terrible at quick fire. <laughs> Thoughts on selected yes. battle plans? Would you yes, have both. swapped yeah. no, battle plans? Go. No. Nah, both. They both. No. Both bad. Scorched Earth and anything but relocation orb. No. Because uh, uh, somebody can't handle uh, any kind of <laughs> randomness in a battle plan. <laughs> yeah, I didn't personally. I didn't have too big of an issue with them during the tournament. Um, however, I heard some shocking stories. Where games were sort of decided on the draw, so yeah, I'd probably just remove both of them. Uh, Seth, how good <laughs> Australian good bags are the best <laughs> in the world, by my experience. Oh, good. Yeah, and then he goes, "We'll be taking one of these from Sydney to Canberra next year, and it's a picture of an All Blacks bus." Um, I guess if you're paying, Dan, <laughs> your bottomless pockets know no bounds. Uh, what was your favorite moment of the weekend? And was it sharing a dawn fag with Nathan? Uh, and that's fag being Dan Street's word, um, meaning a cigarette, uh, with Nathan Why watching kangaroos. So 
uh, yeah, on Saturday, on Friday morning, I woke up early, feeling like shit, hung over, so I went outside, um, not to disturb the cabin about 6am, got a cigarette, bottle of coke, tried to feel less shit, Nathan was walking around topless, and me and Nathan hung out and talked for like an hour, which was amazing, and went kangaroo spotting. That was pretty cool. Um, sure, I'll just say that was my favourite moment. Friday night. I spoke about it. Lee, Seth? Uh, just how welcome, yeah, uh, I just enjoyed like how welcoming everyone was. It was really good. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, quick fire Dan this Friday night. Oh, sorry, Steph, do you have a favorite moment? Oh, Friday night, sweet. Sorry, mate. Uh, did Steph actually see a spider the size of his palm? 10 out of 10 is a Ragnarok. Just as a Ragnarok. I'll, I'll show you some of the size of my palm. <laughs> yeah. Which is code word for his pain. Sean's hand under his bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he says, uh, what, uh, what do we think about old games as a venue? Um, and lessons for NZ venues. I think we spoke about Jolt. We we loved it. Jolt was awesome. Uh, fuck, we're still going with Dan. Thoughts on terrain plans and placement. Six from the table, three from and then uh, free per player, a very small number looked like they were taking the mick with giant pieces of terrain. Uh, so in the player's pack, which like none of my opponents knew, you had to place the terrain, you had to alternate it, it had to be six from a uh, six from a board edge, six from another piece of terrain, and one from an objective. It was almost impossible to get more than one piece on the board. Oh, it would um, trigger so the fuck me my out of both me and you, Sean, like, and would probably we, both we have strokes if we had to do that too often. Oh yeah, yeah. We me and yeah, me and Tubbs like you know symmetrical boards. We like it to be. Fuck <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> off! It, it doesn't fucking it doesn't work. It needs to be not shit. It needs to be, <laughs> needs to be free and less. Yeah, that's no, it's fine. Random yeah, is. Yeah, I know Lee. I know Lee was a cunt and played it by the rules. I like yeah because his game beat for oh, advantage. Bullshit. Uh, we pra- we had a practice game, didn't we? Before we went, we suddenly realised that. You need you couldn't take big. We couldn't fit yeah. anything on so the we, board. We took yeah. uh, different sizes of terrains to try and fit it in. I think you're right though. If you'd make it three inches from the board edge rather than six, it would have solved a lot of problems. Otherwise, it, it three inches from both. Uh, I, but like you say, I, I not a lot of people seem to know that it was a thing. Yeah. Uh, so no, no, because I every game I started with. Do you want to do the scenery? And then people were just like, yeah, I put my three pieces here. And I was like, cool, all right, I'm going to put them here. And I was just like, you cool with that? Yep, done. Um, and then I, the first couple of games, I was like, oh, there's actually rules to it. And then people start trying to play something like, fuck that, it's dumb. And then Dan <laughs> just keeps rambling on about dumb shit. Uh, what did you think of how round timings were handled and how players dealt with running out of time? Uh, I didn't run out of time. I finished all my games normally about an hour before the rounds finished, so I didn't have an issue with the two-hour He's swinging again. Um, one game went for 20 minutes to go. <laughs> no, it's just like my army, and that's sort of part of the reason yeah. why I build it. It wins or loses quite quickly. It doesn't really hang around to the end. I shoot you off or you kill me. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's it. Um, Lee, I know you didn't get past the <laughs> one, uh, so you might want to speak uh, about that. that. I got past round two a couple of times. No, uh, you're right with that. Uh, we I got to round four uh, three times and then round three, I think, twice and I knew finished one game. That's definitely something I'll take into account building the list next year. 
um, like Clint and his team did really well to like wrangle everybody to try and keep to time. There was a few hiccups, but like trying to get 200 players, give or take, sticking to it and keeping the dice down, as Seth said, there was problems. But I think next year, you're going to have to take it into account into the build. That's for sure. I think um, ditching the terrain rules like they were with the placement and all that stuff would help with time. Yeah. I I think the best example was in like in the third game. Uh, by the time we'd set up the terrain and uh, Pete had never played Sylvan F, I'd never played the Green Gloom Spite. So by the time we started actually going, it was we'd already lost 35, 40 minutes. So it, it, you, you were never going to get through a whole game. Oh, fuck your own niggas, my experience. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, you know what it's like. Oh, it's just, <sighs> just such a bad representative of our country. That's fine. Whatever. Um, Matt Britton would just be fucking spinning heads. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I definitely considered it because I was <laughs> worried that I wouldn't begin for a game. So I took sort of glass cannon army that I did take um, was part of the consideration. Um, plus, I don't like interacting with people. I just like explaining why people have to remove their models after I roll nine dice at a time. Um, so why did Charles Black create the Tasman Cup, but then he made it a plaque instead? And this is from the man Charles Black himself. Uh, yeah, that was a little disappointing. I did want to say to him, it's called the Tasman Cup, and I wanted to fill it up with alcohol and drink out of it tonight, as you would after winning a, a cup of some sort, but it's a picture of a kangaroo and a kiwi rubbing heads instead, which I believe was it his wife drew, or is it a family member? I think it was his wife did it. His Say wife that? did it for him. It's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's cool. It's really cool. Um, I can't complain. It's on my wall. I'm looking at it right now. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, a cup would have been preferable, but fuck, whatever. You did a great job, Charles. Um, it's such short notice as well, so no critique from myself. Um, and I believe that is all. What about the, the one question. about being an animal? Anyway, uh, it's the only reason I'm on this podcast to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I, like deliberately skipped it over it. Definitely what, what a dance. I've gone off the page of something about being a digital. So fucking many of them. It was. That's what. Uh, it was a good one for speed answering. Yeah. Which indigenous Australian animal would you be? All right, Seth, which indigenous Australian animal would you be? What What, what do you Go. want to be, Seth? Uh, I'd be a platypus because they're mouths that lay eggs. <laughs> you just want to shoot stuff out your butt. Come to Bali next time. Yeah, that's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm, yeah. cool. I'm in. I'm in. At Bali. The other concept oh, to answer, God. too. Uh, I want to yeah, be a kangaroo so, we'll so I can put stuff in my sack. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you want to put stuff in? Uh, I don't think male kangaroos have sex. They totally uh, have sex, bro. I'd be a female kangaroo. It's a fucking yeah, pouch, sick. isn't it? Oh, God, we suck at fucking quick fire. What would you be? Yeah. Uh, no idea. I lack imagination. Uh, I think it's called a drop bear. <laughs> You gotta yeah, look up the have chlamydia. Bears, That's what everyone kept telling us. Yeah, aren't they riddled with chlamydia or some shit? <laughs> I swear we spoke about this for about yeah, two sure. hours in the car. Um, <laughs> uh, and I'll be um 
I'll be a tizzy devil just to mix it up, just to not piggyback on what these lads have said. I'm in, I'm impressed we knew four Australian animals. So yeah, nailed it. <laughs> yeah, well done, team. Um, we didn't see any drop bears, did we? I saw we saw some kangaroos, but no drop bears. They're pretty rare, aren't they? I think. Yeah, well, we'll get back to the gaming. So Sunday, round four, I was playing Ash McEwen, and for the first time, I'll actually speak about the roundscape feature, which was flaming missiles. Uh, which is if you fire from over twelve inches away, you add one to the rend characteristic of your weapon. I was stoked because I was going to be rend free long strike, so I was thinking, "Fuck, I'll kill any four up save heroes just like that." Um, I knew Ash's name, but I didn't know what he's playing. Found his army. He's playing Nighthorn. Fuck, there goes that idea. His army's meant to rend. I was playing Relocation Orb. Um, I am so rusty at Relocation Orb because no one, and it really showed in, in this game because no one really wants to play it around here. Um, and Ash just fucking outclassed me on the mission. Um, he just, yeah. He, it wasn't, the score was one-sided, but he just fucking knew what he was doing from the start. And I sort of realized what was happening, but I realized far too late. So set up, Ash gives me first turn. I teleport, shit off his dead blade harrow general that teleports people around. Um, and then he goes, oh, I score one point. He moves into the middle, scores a point as well. So it's 3-1 to him. Um, I've overextended myself and put myself in a very aggressive position. Uh, we roll off. The orb bounces straight to like 10 of his Grimgast, I think it was. He had pretty much all his heroes in the middle, and they can all do those stupid mortal wound spells. So I, we rolled off. I won the roll, and I just sort of instinctively took it, not considering how the scoring works, um, because I was terrified that he was just going to mortal wound off all my heroes in the middle of the board, and I couldn't score because I didn't have heroes. So I took it, killed a couple of his heroes, um, scored the objective, so it's 3-2 to him. Um, however, I only got, I think, like my general on it, so I got 20 guys on it, and then he moved two heroes on it. And his, all his heroes are wizards, except one or two. Um, so then he capped it. We rolled off for turn three. He won the roll, and then he just said, I'm giving you the turn. You'll score three points. Um, so it'll be 6-3 to him. And he'll score nine, and again, the orb bounce into his territory. Um, like he got favorable bounces. Um, and then he'll score three points at the bottom of the turn. He wins the game because it's nine three. And when sort of as this, as he was explaining this, I just had this sinking feeling in my gut thinking, what a fucking rookie error. Um, so Ash totally outplayed me on the mission. Um, however, after reflection, um, and, and we pretty much caught like we played it out, but we didn't bounce the orb again. We just played out for kill points and secondaries. So the official score would have been nine three on objectives. I think we killed about a thousand points each of each of his armies and we got both our secondaries. Um but on reflection but we did play five turns. Um uh, on reflection, had I got some ridiculous bullshit luck and I'll explain how ridiculous this is, because I'm not trying to take Ash's victory away from him. But there was a way for me to draw the game which I didn't consider at the time. And Ash didn't push me into a decision or anything. I'm not trying to throw shade at Ash. Ash was awesome. He was super transparent. Um, at one point, I was freaking out because I thought we were actually going to run out of time because it had been about an hour, 10 minutes, and we'd only got through round one. And I asked Ash if he could speed up. Not that he was taking excessively long, but I was just freaking out because I'm sort of that guy. Um, and then Ash's next two turns took maybe all of 10 minutes or something. He was a fucking... He was a sir. But anywho... Um, had we rolled up, had the orb bounced very favorably, and what I mean by very favorably is 
had it bounce like twice in a row towards my territory, and then I won the roll off, and then I kept him from scoring, and I went second twice in a row. Then I then the total score would have been nine all, and it would have come down to kill points, and it would have been a minor. But there's a whole lot of luck in that. First of all, the orb has to bounce very favorably for me, at least twice, if not three times, and then I have to win both the priority rolls, and I have to keep him from scoring. So that is the only situation that it could have we could have changed the result. However, I didn't think about it at the time. I thought about it after the game. Um, but it's like a 99.9% chance that was not going to happen. Um, so that was my first loss. So three wins, one loss. Next game I played Nathan uh, Princey, I believe it is. Nathan is a fucking absolute slur, and I love playing him. And he was playing Stormcast, um, and he said he listens to the show, so that's fucking cool. Uh, Nathan has this like space wolf themed Stormcast army, um, which is just colored in space wolves. And um, he's just a really fun guy. And he was running a sort of variant of Dave Kerr's Masters list. And um, again, this is me being very rusty on the mission. And Nathan obviously having a plan and me not having a plan until it was too late. Uh, we were playing Knife to the Heart. Nathan went first. Um, he had three ballistas. He dropped them from the sky. He dropped them about sort of 34, 35 inches away from me. Shot my long strikes. I believe he killed two or three of them. I teleported. He pretty much just bullied me with his long strikes. Um, went to bottom of one. I teleported my long strikes away where I could shoot his sectors and his um, evocators on Dracline that were coming at me. Um, I shot them. That was so overwhelming. I killed one cat, I believe, and maybe four sectors. Uh, we rolled off and I won the roll. Now, I've been playing Sigma long enough that, um, you know, Knife to the Heart was a mission you'd regularly play because I was around in General's Handbook too. But this is me being rusty with the mission and making a fucking rookie error. Like, what do you lads do if you win the priority for turn two on Knife to the Heart? Take it. No, you don't, you fucking idiot. You defer it because then you can win <laughs> going from bottom of two into top of three and get a double <laughs> yeah. turn. But I took yeah, it. You, I, I took it I like was an say, idiot. Who's the idiot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did set myself up for that. So, and it was really bad because I took the turn and I'd also specifically set up my long strikes to be out of range of his ballisters and his cats. So all my stuff was like 36 and a half inches away from his ballisters and other shit. But I just, like, I just naturally went, I've won the turn roll. I'm taking it. Didn't even think about it. Partway through the turn, I realized what I'd done and said, fuck, this guy can win on turn three. Um, my turn didn't do much. Set up a game plan so that I could possibly win turn three. Uh, Nathan kills my Phoenix and bottom of turn two. And then, of course, Nathan wins the roll off of turn three and um, rolls over most of my army. And before I realized, I had six drag lines on my objective, fighting uh, like 10 skinks and five liberators and my general. And he just blew the fuck out of them um, and won the game then and there, pretty much. Uh, we played out for kill points, played like a turn, if that, and just sort of called it. Um, I did have a plan to possibly win in round three, but it was, um, for some reason, I was assuming he wasn't going to win in round three. So it was um, a, a good plan, I believe, but it was not even executed. So... It was just me being rusty and Nathan just having a plan and just smashing me. His army just rolled over me in turn three. Uh, and Nathan was tons of fun. He was cracking jokes. He was fucking into it. He does this little pause thing with his hands, which just cracked me up every time. And he brought me a Coke at the end, which was awesome. So he, so I got fucked and I got a Coke. So that's um, 
you know, it's not a bad day, I guess you'd say. Um, round six, so four wins, two losses, all secondary scored at this point in time. Uh, round six played focal points against Tristan Smith, one of the Bendigo lads. Uh, Tristan was great because I was feeling a bit down after losing two games in a row and um, just had a quick chat to Tristan before the game about like just wanting to talk shit and have a good time and have some bands. And um, I cannot believe Tristan did not punch me in the face by the end of this game. <laughs> he was playing the daughters of Kane Hagner. Um, I I won the game. Um, it was quite a sort of grindy, tense game, but it, the game sort of declared itself by turn three. Essentially, I won the game by shooting off his um, cauldron in turn one um, with my hero phase and my shooting phase shooting, which was amazing. He didn't roll very well at all for his saves. Um, then I countercharged him with Aether Wings as he tried to roll over like 50 witches and 30 sisters of slaughter over my army. And I just keep countercharging with the Aether Wings to keep tying him up in combat so he couldn't charge me. And once the cauldron's gone and his Hag Queen was gone, which the Hag Queen was second on the priority list, um, the army starts falling over rather quickly. So we called it, I believe, turn three or four. But the whole time I was just talking shit to Tristan. I was just in his ear. I was walking around the table and sort of leaning over his shoulders. We, we were just joking and the bands was flying and I can't believe he sort of allowed me to to talk as much shit as I did during the game. Um, and I'm thankful for that. And I gave him my best sports vote because the game was great fun and he let me talk shit and he didn't physically assault me for it. So I ended the tournament with four wins, four major wins, two major losses, all six secondaries and kill points wise... 7,000-ish, I think, of six games. So I, I more or less tabled three players, and then I, um, against Nathan and against Aaron, I killed maybe another 1,000 points combined between them. Um, and, yeah. And that was that. Was that. Um, Lee, you want to kick off with your uh, Yeah, so uh, on the Sunday morning, first on game four, I drew uh, Liam, uh, who's one of the only other Silver Neff players there, and uh, Winterleaf mirror match. Um, this was a really good game. Um, it was like I think it was uh, Sylvaneff versus Sylvaneff is always going to uh, be tight. But um, yeah, this was really cool. Uh, probably my best game against another Sylvaneff player I had. It wasn't a like not massive swings or anything like that. It was just really tight about trying to block movement. Pretty much, it came down to. Yeah, and again, like um, I was trying, my game plan was to try and block off half a board so that he couldn't put trees down and then rely on my faster units. Um, Liam out drops me, so I assume he's going to go first to try and drop any trees that he could, but he gave me the first turn, um, which, yeah, caught me off by surprise a bit. So I knew that I could get my big unit into the middle to try and score first of all. So I was going to do that. But he left a small gap just at the back of his deployment. Now, in hindsight, I don't know if this is a good idea of mine. Or, well, in hindsight, it's a bad idea. But I could have, I could fit in five of my eels by sacrificing one off, one or two off, I can't remember, and would have a nine-inch charge. Now, the reason that I thought it was a good idea was that he had his three... Uh, two branch witches, uh, one branch witch and two brass raids there, and they were all his casters to be able to bring on woods. So I thought it was a good gamble to try and put the eels into the back of them 
And if I could take out the ones that had the acorn and Vernon Blessing, then everything else he had on the table would be walking, while I still had a Lariel that could fly around. Uh, got the nine-inch charge, but just. So I needed another inch to be able to cat uh, to get into the... Um, that like into the middle of the the wizard, so I could only get to one. Put everything into what I could into that wizard, but I didn't realize uh, that he was in mystical and that Durfu was in range to pass the wounds on. So I think I put twelve wounds into the wizard, and between the mystical and the past, um, passing them on to Durfu, she only took four. Come back. He managed to kill another one of the eels, and then I rolled a six for Battleshock twice with the reroll, so the rest of them all left as well. So that didn't quite go to plan. Um, the jets had moved around, and it was just, yeah, it was just uh, counterplay trying to move units around to try and stop. Um, I took the turn in uh, for two for relocation orb, so uh, score another point. So I was 2 0 up. Third turn, again, it just popped down behind me. Um, so I took that, so I was three. So going into this, I knew that if I could stop Liam scoring, um, then um, uh, then I could uh, get away with the game. But the thing with Silverneff is there's always options. And this is where you see, you know, you're playing a good Silverneff player, was that you could see Liam working out what he could try and do to get there. Um, and yeah, so that was the game. Um, after the game, we'd realised I'd realised that we'd played a rule wrong, and I spoke to Liam, and who was an absolute gent on the table. He was really good. Like I say, I couldn't have asked for a better opponent, not only from a tactical point of view for against Silverneff, but uh, just with the rules and everything. It was like really cool. Um, so there was a query, um, which we'd agreed at the table would have been fine, and then I, then when thinking about the rule that we'd played wrong, so we shook on the result went away and then I realized that we played a rule wrong. I'd gone back to speak to them and the TO and to his absolute credit, uh, Liam offered a re uh, roll off, which I won. And then I felt like an absolute dick instantaneously. And yeah, I've, yeah. So that's one thing to take away from the tournament was just not getting caught up in um, actually trying to, uh, going for the win all the time and I shouldn't have um, like I say we shook at the table and it should have been that but like I said to Liam's credit he offered a roll off and I won uh, I took that so went away with that with a major victory and then that made me play uh, that meant I was playing Ash in the next game um, uh, sorry Lee can I just jump in quickly on yeah. that one um, I, I totally agree because at the time because we had a quick chat sort of as um as it was being revealed about a possible change of result and at the time i was like oh absolutely needs to change needs to change etc cetera, etc cetera. and then after the fact i was sort of like oh after you know what once you had a chance to remove yourself from the situation um and reflect on it it's probably just like uh maybe you should have no, done that it was it was know. totally I mean, the wrong call I, but, but at yeah. The, yeah but at the at the time, I 100% supported um, the rules change. So I don't, I was caught up. I mean, I wasn't even involved. No. I wasn't even playing. I wasn't at the table. 
but when I heard the situation, I was just like, oh, yeah, that seems all right. And then sort of, yeah, yeah. you know, a few hours later, when I had a chance to reflect on it after my other games, I was thinking, oh, don't know about that one, yeah, actually. I like, <laughs> it seems like bit, it, it, it was odd, an, It but, was an honest uh, error on both our parts. We just didn't catch anything. All it was is that we, uh, we'd got the wrong measurements from the objective. And that's that's all it was. But we yeah, we yeah. agreed at the table, and that yeah. should have been the score. It was just yeah. When I went away, uh, and with uh, like five minutes afterwards, I was just like, ah, oh, crap, we measured that wrong. So went back to chat. Didn't want to force the result. Just wanted to explain what had happened and see what to do. And I, but it didn't feel right when we'd agreed it, and I should have. It should never have happened. Um, but like you say, you get kind of carried away in the in the tournament thing. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely get carried away. I mean, as I said, I was just a, a bystander. I got carried away. Um, but full credit to Liam. Yeah, he, absolutely. Um, I, I chatted to him shortly after it, and um, he was an absolute sir about um, something that could have been a very potential messy situation. Well, well, anyway, your game Yeah, five, I was going to say, the last thing to oh, say sorry. on it was it just otherwise, not, it, like I said, it was um, the most tactical silver nef silver nef game i've had where not a great deal was happening but a lot was happening that you could see for from a silver nef point of view where and then for this to happen was just a not a great way to finish the game and like i say i'm really looking forward to the rematch and we'll see how we go with that um the next game like was yeah. against ash um and like i say it was a bit my point yep, uh we were playing nice to heart um this is where the whole thing about space denial starts to fall apart is that it's the idea of the dryads is to block and control as much terrain as you can and not allow the uh, opponents to do what they want what i did on setup here was i left a small gap and it would have only been about three two to three inch square in my backfield and ash managed to spot it just on a look just knew, just asked me to measure. And as soon as I measured between the two units, I saw the gap that I had. Now that would normally be okay um, because you wouldn't be able to fit a decent sized unit in that gap. But because it's Nighthaunt, he managed to get his general, which was the Dreadblade Harrow, across into that gap. And then he can bring other units behind. So straight away from his turn, like after my first turn, I was on the back foot because he'd managed to, I knew that if I didn't deal with these units there, that um, he'd be able to move, a, uh, slowly bring the Gringas over and all the other units would come through. Um, and the Dryads didn't do enough damage that turn to kill them. So I started just castling up, basically, because I couldn't break out. It screened out really well. So even though I could get woods down, I couldn't teleport to other woods uh, to be uh, with the nine inches. So... Pretty much from my turn two, I knew I was going for the minor loss. And it was just a case of trying to make sure I had enough bodies around, um, around my objective to make sure that it was uh, a minor, not a major loss. And to this point, I even brought the, eel, I, I brought the eels on in a defensive way to make sure that I could take out anything that he was bringing on to go for the objective. Uh, I did have one chance to go for it. Uh, in turn two into three but it was one of those where it relied on this happening and then this happening and then another roll so um like i say i i it'd been 
that one little gap had just opened up all the defence and the rest of the game was just trying to castle up and hold on. Um, but yeah, like Ash is great, um, great opponent. Um, the You could tell, uh, I spoke to him because I said like about how he'd set up so well that it stopped me from teleporting. He said he'd played a lot of Sylvaneth and he'd practiced this particular mission quite a bit. So his spacing between his units was just yeah, top notch, really, really good. Um, managed to get my secondary in that where I hadn't got it in the game against Liam. Uh, so going into the final game, I was uh, four majors, one minor loss and four objectives. And I went up against Ken. Still in the hunt. Still in the hunt, but I was, like I said, I was just knackered at this point. And I went up against Ken and his Alpha Strike-ish, lots of eels, Deepkin list. Um and again, the uh, like I say, this was a, a this turn. This was the only game that was over really in turn two from a point of view that I couldn't win. But we played it all the way through because obviously kill points and secondary objectives were important. Um, setting up, I put the barriers. I, I made, my big mistake here was that I made my unit, uh, my big unit of dryads, go for the center objective straight away. Uh, thinking that I'd be able to take the initial attack from the eels and still there. Um, what I didn't account for was that with the speed of the second unit, him being able to hit for the dryads from both ends, so that they had 12 eels going to 30 dryads, and even though there was a few left, there wasn't enough to hold the objective. And from that, it uh, it became more difficult to push out. I made a big error in turn two by putting... Um, Alarial into the wrong unit. That meant she then got charged by eels. Um, and again, with all their damage on the charge, that, that just didn't go very well. Um, I think playing a sixth game is, is hard when you're not used to that. So I really enjoy playing six games, but I think you have to tailor your list as well a bit better to know that you're not, uh, that your list plays, you don't have to play your list as well you need to be able to let the list play itself if that makes sense um but yeah no ken was cool um he halfway through the game he realized that he was in the hunt for best order so he made a real push to try and go for my for all the kill points and the second secondary objectives and was just trying to chase down my wizards as i was teleporting them around still trying to score the odd point in here and there um but yeah there, that was it. So I finished in the end with another major, uh, with a major loss. So finished with four major wins, one major uh, loss, one minor loss, and four objectives. So yeah, that was me. Uh, that's... Yeah, so not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. Although the, I mean, we'll get to it, but the the secondaries, I mean, worth sort of as Seth said earlier, worth their weight in gold. Really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you had to grab as many of them as you could, but you'd think with Four major wins, one minor loss, and one major loss. You might be sort of top of the sort of four and two. Not, not know? really, because um, with my right with my kill points, because that was one of that was the next. No, that's yeah. right. Yeah, because you can't kill no, shit. No, I can't kill shit. Yeah. To be honest, I killed more in the two games yeah. that I lost than I did in the games that I uh, that I won. So that was obviously uh -huh. you know just kill less and you win. Um, but. Yeah. Uh, I knew because I, I think the whole tournament I ended up with 18, 1,870 kill points, something like that. Um, yeah. But um, I, yeah, it, 
yeah, the, that was always, we spoke about it before, that was always going to be a problem with my list and the way that I play that list is that it's never going to kill a lot. So yeah. if you start losing the objective game, it's hard to claw back in. You're kind of relying on setting up those defences first and then trying to force a mistake that you can capitalise on. But if you make the mistake and they capitalise on it, then it's hard to get back in the game. And like Alaria's great, but she does die quickly if people target her. Yeah. So, and we talked about the heroes already. If if people slow them down or stop them charging, um, yeah, mm. yeah. But yeah, no. After overall, it was really really cool. I ended up finishing twenty um, eighth, which I'm more than happy with. Um, if you told me that going into the tournament, at the end of the tournament, you kind of you know, because you you'd worked. Oh, all right. You can edit. You can edit that bit out, brother. We're meant to do that at the end, man. All together, we're meant to reveal our <laughs> how you've ruined this event. I don't need it, so that's not going to happen. Um, Seth, mate, you want to cover off your your last few games, and then we'll look to do results and wrap up. Yeah, bro. I'll be quick because I don't remember as much about my games as you guys do. So, um, first game, game four, I played Brenton Shaw, who was playing Gloom Spike Gits. He had a cool list with um, Colossus Squig and some Boingrat Bounders, some Fanatics, a bunch of Grots, uh, Scragrot. We played Relocation Orb. Um, I outdropped Brenton, so I gave him first turn. He moved to the middle, took the point, um, scored one point. Um, I came in bottom half of my turn. Um, pushed all my shit to the center, um, reclaimed the point, got three points. Um, turn two, the um, I won priority. I gave him turn two. The orb bounced towards me. He was too chaffed to get anywhere near it, so he got nothing, um, and I got three. He was killing the shit out of me this entire time, and I was doing nothing but blocking him from getting the orb as it kept bouncing towards me continuously. Um, this game was really strange because Brenton actually um, – tabled me and I killed none of his army zero points and I got a major victory um so I think that's pretty impressive I just was able to hold him off and keep my stuff alive long enough and do enough damage to him to keep him away um from scoring and that's really what that particular mission is about the luck of the bounce of the orb and then scoring three points each turn um, which I was able to do um so he was pretty gutted at the end of the game because um, it came down to, um, we sorted it out, and he needed like, he needed turn four and turn five priority to win the game uh, to get a minor victory, because he would have needed to score three points each turn. Um, we rolled turn four priority, and I won. I said, "Cool, man, uh, I win priority. You can go first. So he could have only scored one point that that turn and not scored. And he sort of just dropped his head and stuck his hand out because he knew that he had lost at that point. Um, so that put me at after game four, I was on three wins, one loss. I did not get my objective in that one, so only two objectives. <clears throat> game five, I drew a gentleman by the name of Simon Hall, who was the only other player there that was playing Spider Fang. So that was pretty weird to play Gloom Spike two times in a row. Uh, Simon had a cool list with 
he played the um the other spider fang battalion which is like um three units of spider riders and a scuttle boss um it that that makes up the battalion and that gives everybody in the battalion plus mood two to their movement which was is really good actually and this was knife to the heart so simon took first turn because he won priority we had the same amount of drops he ran across the board really quick got into my shit real hard with this really quick spiders um shooting me because he had a unit of 25 spider riders and they were like shooting the shit out of me and i was just trying to hold stand fast on my um on my side of the board um huddled around my loon shrine trying to protect my objective to keep him from getting onto it um i was able to he only left 10 spiders on his objective in the back so i was able to drop my skitter strand both of them onto nine away from the 10 spiders on his objective. And I was also able to hand of Gork a unit of 20 grots across there. So as the game was progressing, I realized that I was holding up pretty well against his onslaught onto my objective. And I had three massive units on his objective and he only had 10 spiders there. All I really needed to do was make my charges with cogs up. Um, so I made one of the three, this skitter strand just needed fives. I made one skitter strand, the other one failed, the grots failed. So that put me in a tough spot on, uh, on turn two, because if they would have gotten there, he would have had to turn his entire army around to go protect his objective, uh, which would have kept me safe on my side and I would have overwhelmed him on his and I would have won on turn three, no doubt. Um, since that didn't happen. We rolled turn three priority and we decided whoever won turn three priority would have won the game because um, they would have captured the other the other person's objective. So uh, unfortunate for me and fortunate for Simon, he won the role. So um, he won the game and it was a really well played game. It went really quickly. Simon's a top dude. Um, we had some good chat and it was, it was all good. It was nice to play the other spider guy there and have a good game. So. Uh, and come down really to a dice roll 50-50 chance. Um, game six, I played Paul and his Swift Hawk agents. And it was really cool to play Paul because he's a really cool guy. I met him on Friday. Um, he was real awesome to, to hang out with over the weekend. He was also standing at the Caratel. He's a big wrestling fan, and I also like wrestling. So that was um, one thing that we kept you know, bringing up in our conversation at the table and having laughs about and stuff like that was fun. Um, in this game, I told Paul straight away, I was like, dude, I'm going to do something completely different. I'm going to play real aggro. I never do this. I'm usually real cagey, but I'm going to switch it up and play a different style in this game. And I did. I dropped my um, skitter strand behind his army. I tied up all his buffing units, also tied up all his shooting units and like, put him on the back foot from the word go. He wasn't able to shoot me with anything. Um, and I was just able to score points and score points while he was trying to chew through my big spiders. And then I put the spider riders in on the other side of his army and sort of sandwiched him in and kept scoring points, kept, uh, kept scoring points. And he wasn't able to score really anything. Um, by the end of the game, he, um, he killed about 1,200 points of my army. And I killed about... 600 700 of his so that was like my biggest um kill point game of the weekend um 
but he just wasn't able to keep up with me um, with objective scoring. So I got a major victory there. Did not get the objective. Um, so I finished four wins, so, two losses, um, three secondary objectives, aye, aye. and seventeen hundred and forty <laughs> kill points over six games. Not, <laughs> not a lot whatsoever. It's like three hundred points um, per game, man. So bad. Yeah. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Brenton, Brenton, my game, my game four opponent killed more of my army in one game than I killed of every other army in six games. Yeah, I think the most kill points scored across the whole tournament. I don't think anyone killed eleven thousand kill points. I'm just trying to skim the results to see. There's about four people that kill that got ten thousand kill points. Uh, I don't. Don't think my army's killed ten thousand points in the two years I've been playing it. Yeah, a t- daughters of Cain, oh, Mega Grey, uh, <laughs> Russian Overlord. Probably get the most kill points against me. Yeah, well, that's uh, your army wins. Was that because you run your own units through the trees? Uh, I don't lose any of my units running. Your my units running through your trees, but um, so we'll just quickly recap the results and then just. In the show, I guess. So I um, I came 18th um, with my Stormcast Eternal. Uh, four majors wins, two major losses. Uh, I got max sports. I also got a best sports opponent, a best favorite opponent. Um, I got 7,260 kill points to be exact, and I got six uh, secondaries. So there was three of us, sorry, four of us, all about the same score um, between... 18 and 21, 22. However, I got the most kill points out of them, so I separated myself. Um, so I finished one behind Adam Burt, who finished 17th. So I got third best Stormcast as well, and I don't know about order. Um, so I finished highest out of all the Kiwis uh, that went. Fraser Baker, who also went, got five wins, as we said, but as we sort of mocked earlier in the show, he didn't max out on his sports. Uh, he got, I believe, four major wins, one minor win. Um, I think so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. With his Megat Kinnanoogle, and he came yeah, and he came 23rd, so 5-1 and one and went 23rd. I believe he was the lowest ranked 5-1, and one, and that was simply because he didn't get a sports vote, I believe it was. Had he maxed his sports scoring, so had he got a sports vote and got 30 points instead of 29, he would have came 13th, I think, or 12th. So it was really tight at the top. It was really, really tight at the top. Uh, so me and 18, Fraser and 23. Lee, you were next at 28, was that right? Yeah, 28. So um, yep. I knew and once, you, once you start losing games and not making the, uh, your secondaries, if you don't kill shit, you're just going to start plummeting. Yeah, again, you're in a logjam because you've got 149 overall points. And you came 28, and Sam Morgan also has 149 points, who came 24. Um, so, again, there's another sort of four or five guys there, all at the same points level. So, again, the points are all very tight. Um, Steph, I believe you were next. Is that right? You came 45th? Yeah, I, w- I was 45th, last of the group. Yeah. But I was um, number, number one in the hearts of the CanCon players. Yeah. <laughs> And again, 141 points. You're in a massive log jab again. Um, I was at the bottom of it probably because of kill points, though. Yeah, know? it looks like there's again about but, eight players. Yeah, so so same point. 
What's really crazy is Have I just scored one more point. What it came thirty nine by looks of it. Yeah, but I came forty fifth, right? And you came eighteenth. The difference was yep. three three secondary objectives. Do you know what I mean? Like that's yes. huge. So like, I had a. That's so many yeah. places. That's like I what twenty seven places. Yeah. So I had a hundred and fifty three overall points, and you had a hundred and forty one. So it's a twelve points. It's yeah. Three secondaries. Yeah. So there's you know. It's twenty, as you said, twenty places, or well, actually more than that, um, of difference. But that's we always knew the top was going to be like that. The top is very jammed. I mean, had I got one more, had I turned one of my losses into a major win, I would have been fifth or sixth. Yeah. Um, had I got a minor win, I think I would have instead of a major loss. Oh, had I got a minor loss instead of a major loss, I think I would have been like two tenths or something. Um, so it's all very, and I mean, that's, and I think that's a credit to the TOs and how they've sort of split the pack up with the secondaries having six rounds and then also the kill points. Um, yeah. and I believe, and, uh, Mr. Shorts didn't play, obviously he was on the coverage, so he doesn't have any results. And then I believe James was about James 120th or something, 124, maybe 140. Um, so James got with his Magikin, uh he got 109 tournament points. Um, so and again, he's in a big log jam. There's about four or five players that have the same amount of points, so it's all very tight. Had he got one more point, he would have moved up like five, six spots. Um, yeah, so he got 109 points. So again, there wasn't much difference between you two as well, um, or any of us really. And that was the Kiwi contingent. So um, I slightly missed out on my goal. Although at the time, had you said, because we didn't get results, so I think it was about two days outside of the top 10. And after going four and two, I thought I was going to be maybe sort of early 30s, maybe late 20s if I'm lucky. So coming 18th, I'm pretty happy with. Um, Fraser coming 23rd, I assume he's happy with i don't know i haven't really spoken to him about it to be honest so i don't really want to speak to fraser yeah he's uh, got to be gutted about those sports scores though man to be honest because oh yeah I, I yeah i i naturally assume he's gutted especially as we've because he got a lot of kill points so we got eight thousand nine hundred thirty. so he probably would have been that's like the... four times five times more than lee and seth I was gonna say and up. seth okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, i'm not i'm not i'm not forgetting <laughs> Eight thousand nine hundred and fifty times more than Lee, to be exact. Um, <laughs> it's so just yeah, I think, be, <laughs> I think he'll be gutted by that. He was there was a couple of people higher than him who also didn't get a favorite sports score. So I don't know. Maybe that's something to take away. I, I don't know. Um, and then Lee, you wanted to be top twenty. Twenty-eight. Uh, I said uh, top fifty was what I was going for. Sorry, top fifty. Uh, yeah, top 50, my bad. yeah. It's like... So was, you know, going on Saturday, I was hoping that I'd get a a, a better finish on the Sunday, but I'm like, uh, I'm more than happy with uh, top fifty and just the general like experience of going for it, and I think it better prepares us for when we all go back next year. Were you top Silverneth or was Chuck? Absolutely. No, Chuck was top silver. Yeah, and Chuck finished. Where did Chuck finish? Thirteenth. Yep. So, yeah. So there was daylight. Chuck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was a bit of a gap there. He would have had five um, ones, right? And then Seth, 
45th. He had four uh, wins and a minor loss, I believe it was, and all his <laughs> secondaries. And a ton of kill points. Uh, 6,000? Mm. I guess that's a lot for Silver Nef, I don't know. <laughs> that's a lot for Silver mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Seth, 45, you happy with that, mate? I won four games. The goal was three, so yeah, I'm happy. And I got a sports yeah. award, so... And like, I'm I'm thrilled. It was awesome. Yeah. So. Sorry, you did too. You got... Um, so it's funny because there's three of us Kiwis who are claiming we, we all did best in the weekend. So Fraser said he went five and one. So he's saying he did best. I'm saying I finished, um, higher in the play sense than everyone else. So I'm saying I did best. And then Seth is saying he got second best sports. He's the only one who walked away for trophy. So therefore he did the best. Um, I think we'll leave the listeners to decide that one. Cause I don't think any of us are going to admit <laughs> who actually did the best of the weekend, but I think we can all agree. We had a fucking awesome time would 10 out of 10 do CanCon again. Um, nothing but love for everyone. Smooth event, that many people. The only hiccup was five dickheads didn't hand in their books after round one, so that meant the um, the rounds were pushed back by 20 minutes, maybe? I don't know, I can't remember. But a bunch of people went for lunch and didn't hand in their score sheets. Bound to happen with 200 people. Can't really fault the TOs for that. It's just players not being aware of what's going on um yeah that's that's my thoughts on it would absolutely go again loving it looking forward to going next time never had such a great warhammer experience in my life um coming to do it again you you guys you got anything else to add or is it more just blowing smoke up uh australia cancon and clint yeah same stuff man um like i've I've played i've played warhammer in three countries now and different other games as well and like i've been to 100 player tournaments in America and Masters, US Masters and New Zealand Masters. And um, CanCon was by far the best event I've ever been to. But like by far, blows everything away. Nothing else even compares to it. Enley? Yeah, more of the same. It's uh, it's given us another, like a big thing on the calendar to try and aim for each year. So, yeah, mate. Uh, like thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, looking forward to going again next year. Um, and hopefully, there'll be a, a few more of us going across. Like I say, Clint yeah. and, his, and his team do such a good job. It's uh, it's, uh, it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. They they were fantastic. They were absolutely fantastic. Um, Seth, sorry, just revisiting a topic just gone. You were second best Gloom Spite? Is that right, mate? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was. And fourth best Destruction overall. So, yeah, I think Joel Hennessy yeah, I was just... came 16th or so. 16th. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was... Three points ahead of me. Yeah, so I'm just looking at that now because I was just skimming sort of the the factions, and there was quite a few gloom spite, wasn't there? Eleven, was dozen or eleven, so? I believe. Yeah, eleven, and you got second and second best sport. Yeah. So, fucking good job, man. Good job. I think that they'll they'll um, gloom spite will perform better in the next few months than they did at CanCon. So, I'll take it when I can get it. Bro, the book is. The book was two days old and you hadn't played with your army, so, you know, <laughs> I think you did pretty well. Wouldn't sell, you, wouldn't sell yourself short. And I think we all agree the army, on paper at least, with some of the, the combos we've seen and the power in that book, um, I think it will be shaking up the meta come, you know, the sort of natural three to six months it takes people to build armies and 
test them and actually get them tournament ready. Um, yeah, other than that, is there anything else to add? Otherwise, we'll just wrap it up there, lads. Uh, were we going to talk about list changes or we're we just going to leave it? Oh, yeah, we can talk about list changes quickly. Um, what would I change from my shooty list? Um, if I was taking more or less the same basic idea and the same list to um, Cancon again, I would probably, I'd possibly drop the Lord Arcanum for a Lord Encanter. Um, my army was always going to be weak against heavy magic armies, yet I never faced a heavy magic army. My army was more designed to kill that Arcanod at Nagash hiding behind 40 Grimgast Reapers. Um, so I would possibly drop the Lord Arcanum, make him a Lord Encanter, which would give me 40 points, and then I'd change my five secretors into um, into another unit, five adjudicators. So just add more shooting, simply. Um, or maybe I'd just go balls to the walls and just chuck in more long strikes, but I, I doubt it. So I've, been, I've played one game since CanCon. It was with my CanCon list against Tubbs the other day. Um, how'd that, how'd that work out? Um, but I definitely won the hearts of the people. Uh, <laughs> was totally unfazed when I shot off a dragon turn one. He was like, oh yeah, that's fine. Um, still, <laughs> Didn't still give started. a single fuck. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, I start the game with 1,900 points. He killed a dragon. I'm down to like 1,500 points. Let me bring on 8,000 points of models. I'm like, oh, cool. This is, this is real cool. Um, is this, is, this is before the battle time as well. This is before the battle time. Mate, if Bill yeah, says we can win, when I'm saying they're really fucking good, nobody yeah. listens. You, yeah. apart from Bill, you shot the wrong dragon. That's that's I why you didn't give a shit. You should have shot the one that could summon. Side, so I wouldn't get countercharged by four other dragons. With like the only. Yeah, but if you would have if you would have if you would have shot the dragon that can summon twice, it would have been a different story. But Sean told me which one it was because you're all fucking not painted and the, look exactly the, the same. The black one. <laughs> the other ones are all white. They're all like <laughs> black they're, black they're all fucking black. Yeah. Concept army. Concept. I'm pretty sure you just fucking made rules up as you go away. Like, I oh, do no, every this, time. This wizard definitely has this spell which you just killed. It's like playing <laughs> fucking James Page's Zench army and you have no idea what he's doing. Um, yeah, so I think I would change um, just at a quick glance. I think I'll try to get some more adjudicators in there. Um, and leave the list mainly intact. Um, I think my list worked pretty well, to be honest. It did exactly what I expected it to do. Uh, I just misplayed a couple of missions. Uh, Seth, yeah, um, crack on about honestly, not much to be on. You know, to be frank, um, maybe I would combine my unit of spider riders, my two units, into a unit of twenty-five. Uh, because when I played Simon and he had twenty-five spiders, man, they were just brutal. Um, I couldn't get through them with anything, and he, their shooting was even productive because there were so many shots. Maybe I'd drop my Arachnid Cauldron, even though I like it. It's real versatile. Um, I, I didn't cast it as much as I thought I would because, like I talked about earlier, I needed to cast other spells that I thought were more important at the time. Um, I would just play my list more, to be honest. I would play it, learn how it works, because when I built it, I thought it was going to be like, Glass cannon, super duper damage, die to a stiff breeze, and you but kill everything first, and then I'd win because of that. But that's not how it played at all. It was so much more nuanced 
than I anticipated. And it took me seven games or six games to figure it out. Uh, but once I figured it out, I was pretty golden. So I would have just played more. And Lee? Uh, so if I was playing the same CanCon, no, I don't think I'd actually change anything of the list. I'd probably change a few bits about how I played it. Um, play the eels differently, I think might be one thing. Not to kill things before you start, but uh, just to uh, hold them back a bit longer or even start them on the board more often and then just have the Soul Scryer pop up to give the plus three to charge. Um, but now with Feck and Skaven coming on, I don't think this list would work anywhere near as much because it just doesn't do enough damage. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's my strongest winter leaf or even Silver Neff list I've built. But, um, yeah, I think I it's... That's really good, that Winterleaf list. It's going to be a little yeah. bit more aggressive. Yeah, I, I think you, I'd be interested to see if you start the eels on the table more often to get that initial movement and then bring the, the Soul Scryer on uh, just to give that plus three to charge. That might be a, a better way of playing it. I think, think you just need to take, like, Sean's fucking... Alpha's fuck Stormcast list or a corn list or something and just jam that shit out for like three months and then go back. <laughs> so uh, so, so you, you get used you, to smashing stuff up for a bit. So, so you say that this possessed list is not best, probably the best way to go now? Well, you know, you'll get to turn three moving and then turn four and five you might be able to hit something if you got something left on the board. Uh, Lee's Sounds never going to turn five, mate. That's a load of shit. <gasps> oh, it's um, so harsh. Probably oh, <laughs> fair. Uh, um, <laughs> I think the eels work I, fine, mate. And I think in like in a lot of ways, when you explain how they work and the intent, it's really good. I think maybe just um, every time I played with you, you just fucking blow your load too early and get too excited, and you always take I, the bait that someone might set for you, or you just turn one go for something, and maybe just wait till the army opens up a bit. Because a yeah, lot of people that, that's what... deploy like defensively, and a lot of people do the whole nine inch bubbles or eighteen inch bubbles, so you can't come on. For the first turn, maybe two, but then after that, they fucking forget about it, and like yeah, that's just right. But that's the thing is, it's probably playing the list a bit more to know the difference. So uh, when I played uh, Tubbs just before we went, I should have used the Alpha Strike then, and I held them back, and that was the wrong, wrong. Uh, that was a mistake. So yeah, it's, and then you just then you panicked and threw them again to kill something uh, which had no meaning. Yeah, well, it was more to stop you coming down that flank that time. Yeah. So it's, it's more, it was reactionary rather than make you react. So it's just more getting used to when to use them and when not to, I suppose. I mean, but you could like change say, it up and I, just put a frost tide on there and be like a Mr. Shorts or a lorry. And, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have your own, you got your, your own TM build, like the Sean Bates Pew Pew list, isn't it called? I don't know, mate. I'm going to edit that out so no one knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I think that does it for now, lads. Um, we will probably... I'm Sean is salivating over to Fickbook. He's actually been playing Fick um, low-key for the last six months or so, man. Like, yeah. between, between Masters and stuff. Like even Pretty much Mark. straight after after AOS two drops, I picked him up and then kept it on the slide. Didn't really tell anybody, um, yeah. other than smashing boys around a bit, which they loved. Yeah, 
yeah, and I've um, I got to play it firsthand the other week, and I wouldn't say it's as broken as all get out. I just think you're a good player, to be fair, and it's gonna be interesting to see what happens because I've heard nothing but good things about it. But I think you're keen to do a fix show. Is that true? You want to do one of those? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Pretty much, you can just sit there, just masturbating over this book for two hours. And <laughs> I'll record you making noises. <laughs> we need to do a gloom spike show, bro. Yeah, we we do as well. So now that you guys are hooked up, see if we can we can get this done because we're doing it over the internet. We did try record one in person with about eight people, and I listened to some of it, and it sounded fucking horrible. Uh, there was too much mic moving around, noise, and all that sort of shit. So that's why that won't happen. However, too much gloom bag drunk. However, yeah. I will pull the chicken story from that and put it in the show. Yeah, you gotta. The chicken story's gotta be so, told while drunk. Can't do it sober. The world. The world. Yeah, well, unfortunately, you weren't like fucking white girl wasted when you told it. You were kind of like still on the way to getting cut. So, because um, when you're white girl wasted, that's the fucking best place. Oh, fuck. About an hour. Yeah. About an hour. About an hour after I told it, I was I know, that was wasted. That's for sure. That, that's the thing. Anyway, we'll leave it there, lads. Listeners, thank you for listening. We should be back pretty soon um, in the next couple of weeks, um, depending on how long it takes me to edit this and get it out. Um, Otherwise, lads, thanks for coming, and we'll talk again soon. Bye. Later, bros. Get away from me. If I was you, I'd watch what you say to me. Snakes all in my bed, wanna lay with me. This ain't no motherfucker, why you play with me? Don't play with me, this the only thing I love. I love, 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 love. I love, I love, 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 love. I love, I love, 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 love. I love, don't play with me, this the only thing I love. I love, 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 love. Love when they think I ain't cool, cause I'm sober. You used to love when we was down, we was closer. But I stopped loving ever since I got fucked over. Hold on, call me, I don't know you. You gotta keep that same energy. I'm not no regular entity. I'm not your friend, I'm your enemy. I don't know what's gotten into me. Lately, I'm just feeling finicky. Lately, I just want the cake and the greatest amenities. Lately, I ain't got no sympathy. Aim at the industry. This ain't the way that they picture me. What's your identity? I got some line in the mall. I keep my nine in the jaw. All of y'all niggas gon' bleed. Guess it's that time of the mall. I done came up in the mud, they said I'd never be none They said I'd never be rich, they said I'd never be anything I told them get off my dick Get away from me, if I was you I'd watch what you say to me Snakes all in my bed Wanna lay with me This ain't no motherfucker, why you play with me Don't play with me, this the only thing I love I love, 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 love I love, I love, 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 love I love, I love, 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 love don't play with me, it's the only thing I love I love, 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 love On the streets with no help Money ain't everything Niggas speak for yourself Pawn shops every week Scrape the chains, pay the bills Rainy days come sleep Now I sleep with my girls I wanted to be like Hope I'm living the vida look. They just wanna ride my wave You ain't never seen my boat Hit him with the east side smoke I'ma kill everyone, I'm a G.I. Joe Hide out my weapons, I let my Levi's go If a nigga was pimping, you'd probably be my hoe 
need some different opponents I think I live in the moment I fuck my bitch in the morning I take that shit when I want it All you new niggas be frying You just be lying, I keep it 300 Came up for nothing, I say what I want it No, ain't no discussion, I aim and I boost Get away from me If I was you, I'd watch what you say to me Snakes all in my bed, wanna lay with me This ain't no motherfucking game, why you play with me? Don't play with me, this the only thing I love you I love, 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 I